Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 126, Whispering Lullabies featuring Xander. I'm Scaddy and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Hello Scad. Hello. And uh, hello to our special guest today. He is a man of so many things. He's been a blood rider since at least 2016. I went back and looked at our old messenger convos on Facebook and they go back that far. Uh, he is a prolific podcaster in his own right. Uh, the people who find him attractive call him Phalexander the Great. He is... <laughs> I just made that up, guys. That was so well, good. Where did you get that from? <laughs> just, just, in this, just, just in this healthy, functioning brain of in mine. That noggin. <laughs> it is Xander. Xander. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hello, everybody. Um, I am Xander. How's everybody doing? Well, I know we're all good here. <laughs> Matt, I have a word of the day later, yeah. but it can't compare to Phalexander. <laughs> come Agreed. on, come on, man. <laughs> oh, good to be back, everybody. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Let's get through our announcements real quick, and then we'll just dive right into a, a nice Jamie chapter that Xander's picked out for us. We'll get to that. This is second. great. Uh, we're going from zero to 10 in this episode, as you can see already. It's yeah. We're not slowing down for anything. No, uh, except for these announcements, uh, vacations, Matt, you and I both, I think we're on vacation right in the middle of episode prep for Xander, which was probably really helpful for him. (laughs) Answer all sorts of questions. We'll get back or ask all sorts of questions. Xander, we'll get back to you in three days. Yep. (laughs) No, (laughs) thank you for your patience with that. Mine was a quick one. Just went to northern Utah uh, to where my my wife's old stomping grounds where she lived for some of her early 20s and got to show the kids around the sites and everything. Beautiful little place called Logan, Utah. Oh, yeah. Spent a few days up there. But um, you you went on a a big-time vacay, Sketty. Yeah, we went to Maui. I got this this nice little – no, the the listeners can't see it, but I got this nice little necklace to remind myself of, of it. yeah. Uh, oh, that's cool. When, it's a little, it's a little Maui hook a thing. Maui hook, yeah, yeah. yeah Is it made of like obsidian? It. <laughs> it looks like a volcanic rock. I wish it were. It said it was dragon glass. It said it was bone, which I have mixed feelings about. But uh, also, I'm not sure it's real. I'm not sure, it's, I'm not sure that's true. So, uh, you know, I, I'm trying not to call carry, it bone. I'm not caring too You'll much. Really buy it if it. you say it's bone. Yeah, uh, it was a good trip. Very relaxing. I have this like stinger in my shoulder. That I'm dealing with, and like it disappeared for three days in Hawaii, and now it's mm. now it's back. So, you know, probably stress related, and Maui just calmed it down for a few days. But uh, yeah. I saw the um, the pictures on your on your dear wife's social media page, and you were looking pretty red there. That's already calmed down a little bit, at least from the pictures. Yeah, man, uh, I burned you tomatoed up. I burned pretty good. I burned pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's pretty obvious still oh, if you look here, there it is, which, you know, <laughs> there it is. Maybe, maybe I'll post, I'll post something like this on the, on the timeline <laughs> so you can see this. Scat is showing some skin folks. I mean, it's my shoulder. Let's not, let's not get everyone too excited. You know, I'll take what I can get. Shoulders are exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, it was good. Uh, it was very nice. Got to, uh, got to do the road to Hana, did some, scuba diving did some nice relaxation in the pool and hot tub it was good good sunsets it was nice yeah love it yeah love it what uh we haven't talked in a while matt about about reading and watching what have you been doing what am i doing uh still reading a lot of star wars cool um Uh, yeah yeah. 
a lot of, uh, I finished the X-Wing Rogue Squadron series, all 12 books or whatever it is. Motsi, I done good, my friend. He doesn't did, like that. I, did, I told you. I did good. I, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm sorry. Uh, Legends Lounge podcast, everybody. Check it out for all the best coverage of the Star Wars Expanded Universe books. Um, got back into Umbrella Academy. Did you guys watch Umbrella Academy at all? Oh, anybody? hell yeah. Okay. So um, I haven't finished the third season. Um, mm-hmm. I think the I've, latest. Yeah, the latest one. I think I have two episodes left. Um, but honestly, I I started watching that almost exactly a year ago, and I just it sucked me. And I love that shit. It's so good. Isn't it great? It's so fantastic. <laughs> Man, I watched the and first a, couple episodes. It didn't grab me too much. Should I give it another shot? Absolutely. You um, okay. you did you ever watch Misfits? I never watched Misfits. No. no. Oh, that's a good one too. I'm just a big Robert Chantan. He's fantastic. I think I've had that recommendation before somewhere. I don't remember where, but I've heard that. Um, yeah. So okay. And then I'm and then I'm reading uh, Fire and Blood too, like everybody else in the fandom. I should so. be. I should be. Yeah. <laughs> You're not Xander. Nah, I read that already. I'm good. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm just it's a little dry. I'm just, ex- I'm just excited that like I can finally watch a Game of Thrones show. Um, yeah, because like like we were saying before we started recording, I should say it now. I stopped watching Game of Thrones before season two ended. Um, so I'm just excited to get, you know, get back into the show, get back into the fandom, have some new conversations with yeah. all my friends. You know, is that is that why you're yeah. excited? Because if, uh, we didn't really go into the pre-show when we were talking. We didn't go into why you stopped watching exactly other than, you know, kind of brain brain belt. Uh, of combining the book and the show and stuff, but what what makes you think you're going to be able to get away with it with this new show, or is it just the content has been so dry you need something new, and so you think you'll be fine with it? So I think I think there's a couple different things. Um, so one, it's a finished story. Yeah, um, it's helpful. I mean you know it's not a detailed story. Obviously, it's you're not getting the POVs or anything. Um, but George already wrote the beginning, middle, and end on so yeah. many different levels for yeah. what the story they're trying to tell. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that, you know? Yeah. Um, but also because it is a history, I can, I can kind of excuse anything that isn't like book canon because it's a, it's a history. So you, you would imagine it's like a retelling, like when you watch star Wars, like you always have to keep in mind, like this is just a story that's been passed down. So anything that like doesn't sound right, just it's somebody go. told it a different yeah. way, kind of thing, mm. you know. That's, that's, yeah, so that's it's 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 a far, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right. Yeah. So it's far mm-hmm. enough from the source material that it's it's a little easier to excuse, like pure canon, I guess. Yeah, that's a cool perspective. It I is about that. Yeah, I'm still nervous about the show. I'm. Yeah. Well, we'll get it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But. Still bummed they don't have uh, colored flames for the dragons. <laughs> Bums me out. Uh, anything else on the watch list or the reading list, Matt? No, I don't think so. Yeah. How about you? Uh, Series-wise, nothing nothing too spectacular. I've been reading Sandman. Um, it's, it's a comic oh, series that I can't believe I never read before. It's been recommended to me so many times, including by... My wonderful sister. 
comic book legend Kelly Thompson. For those that don't know, yeah, I drop <laughs> it all the time. Uh, and I've, I've just never read it, but uh, I got the first book, and I, I'm about, yeah, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through it, and I love it. It's great. I read it awesome. on the plane. It's really good. Uh, I'm trying to hold off on watching the show until I finish at least the first book. Although I'm not sure that they're telling the story super linearly, I guess. Uh, anyway, it seems like if they could jump around, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm excited to watch the show on Netflix that just came out, but uh, I'm trying to get through the first book Me first. Me too. Are you, have you been reading it? No, no, I'm just going to watch the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah. Beyond that, uh, no, man, I, I took Fire and Blood with me uh, to Maui and I didn't open it. Uh, I read a little <laughs> bit for this episode and I read Sandman, but I didn't open Fire and Blood. Well, you <sighs> man, shouldn't. I'm very conflicted about this show. Everything I'm hearing and looking at sounds so good. I've been avoiding the previews because I don't want to get sucked in. I think I'm going to get sucked in. <laughs> like it just it sounds really good from everything i'm hearing just go with it man just go with it what happens happens watch that first episode see what you see where it goes take it take it an ep at a time yeah Yeah. so that's it uh i did watch 13 lives the ron howard movie about the uh oh yeah about the the kids that get stuck in the uh in the caves that flood in in thailand it was uh was that good um i mean the store the 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 incident was very compelling and very interesting. I felt like the movie could have been done better, but you know, who am I? I never made a movie, but uh, yeah, I felt like it could have been better, but, but good. I recommend it. It's, it's a good watch. And if you don't know what happened, uh, it's full of a lot of detail of, of how it went and, and things like that. Um, you know, I guess if I were complaining, I'd, I'd say, I feel like it could have been a series. I feel like it could have been six, one hour episodes, right. To give me just a lot more detail about everything that happened. It felt it felt like I was missing pieces of the story, but um, anyway, still, still good. I recommend, I recommend it, especially if you don't know what happened in that incident. It's, it's a uh, very interesting, and and people just humanity just kind of came came to the need, and and uh, all side of the story I didn't know is that villagers just came and donated their lives to go divert water away from the mountain so it would flood slower, um, and a whole village basically gave up their crop for the year because and said wow. you can divert the water here and um just a you know a good story about humanity coming together um and again i'd love more details about all of that but anyway it was, it was oh, good we need that yeah i recommend we it. need that 13 lives cool um all right uh next announcement uh we are bringing meet the callister to a close xander you are officially the last guest on meet the callister at least for now Ugh. maybe we'll bring it back someday uh we're going to be moving on to a little bit of a different format uh, more to come as we get our ducks in a row. Matt and I are still kind of figuring out some of the details, but uh, but yeah, more to come on that. Same thing with Patreon too. Uh, just with that change in direction, we just want to deliver the best content for y'all and make it worth the the what you put into it as well. So um, that's important to us. So be on the lookout for stuff coming from us, uh, maybe even an informal hangout later this month. So keep on the lookout, guys. More to come. Yeah, totally. Well, let's move on to the episode. Today, we're going to cover Jamie yes. 7 from A Feast for Crows. That's the last Jamie chapter in A Feast for Crows and the penultimate chapter uh, of Jamie at all that we have. Uh, Jamie gets seven chapters in A Feast for Crows. It's a lot, you guys. He uh, George really went for the redemption arc. And, uh, and uh, in this very chapter, we get to see kind of a lot of that coming through um, in some of the key moments. So 
Uh, Jamie's dealing with the escape of the Blackfish uh, from River Run. He's shutting down the siege camp as the War of the Five Kings kind of inches to a close. And he also finds his mind wandering about what's next for him and the kingdom in general as winter arrives at River Run. And he also receives a disturbing letter from his sister in King's Landing. Uh, we might talk a little Red Wedding today, a little bit about the future of Jamie, second to last chapter we get from him, like I said, maybe some Cersei talk, but we'll likely stick most to Jamie in the Riverlands here today. So, Yeah, and of course, we love to hear from you. We want to know what you think about this episode, about uh, Meet the Kalisar in general, and anything else you want to tell us. So you can find us at wearedavosfingers at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle, of course, is at Davos Fingers. We're on Facebook, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. So Xander, as our special guest today, how can the adoring public, your fellow blood riders, get in touch with you? Uh, so uh, if you want to get in touch with me personally, um, pretty much on every social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I do have a Twitter. I just don't know how to use it. Um, just... <laughs> Xander Riley, you can find me up that way, easy. Um, but if you want to find me um, in another podcast, I'm also part of Vessels of Kingsgrave. Um, you can find me there at the Lord Baron. The Lord yes, Baron. more on that. More on that. More on that coming. All right, well, let's let's dive into the first of the chapter summary bits. Edmure Tully was smug like a bedbug. Smug. Uh, as pink Is that the office? It was the office for you, Matt. I threw that in for you. As Thank Pink you. Spittle flew from Emin Frey's sour leaf chewing mouth, accusing him of playing them false and threatening to hang him, all Edmure could reply with is a cool, for what crime? Edmure and his men at River Run had allowed Superintendent uh, Tully to escape the siege. This was not expressly forbidden in the terms ironed out between Jamie and Edmure, but it certainly was off-putting. Off-putting to Jamie, at least. He threatens to put Edmure into an oubliette if he doesn't tell them where the Blackfish is. But Edmure has no idea, as Brendan never told him where he was headed. He also wrinkles at the threat. <laughs> yeah, Jamie had promised him treatment as befits his rank. But Jamie assures him that many men better than Edmure have been victim of the Casterly Rock, Casterly Rock Iron Maidens. Cowed a bit, Edmure delivers the details. They opened a portcullis into the river, and Brendan slipped through. A strong swimmer, he must have escaped the siege lines. Pissed and wants him recaptured, insisting that the Blackfish will try to retake River Run. But Jamie steps in and chides him. You have a garrison of 200. My dude, and his wife, Jenna, echoes, this is your seat. My buddy, hold it or don't, but stop whining. <laughs> Emin mumbles something about nobody ever taking it from him and leaves with Jenna, leaving Jamie and Edmure alone. Edmure takes the opportunity to express how much he loathes Jamie taking this castle, how much this place means to him. A touching tribute from a pretty minor character. I've been despised by better men than you is Jamie's response. He sends Edmure away and makes note to double the guard that is to take Edmure to Casterly Rock. He did not want the Blackfish to free Edmure on the road. As Edmure leaves, the Westerlings enter. Jane, the girl who had cost Rob everything, as Jamie sees it. And he's not wrong. She is steadfast, resolute, loyal to Rob. Her mother, though? She's playing Let's Make a Deal. 
Yeah, a good deal for her. But first, Jamie must find out if there's a baby wolf growing inside this seashell. A pearl of great danger, if present. <laughs> Lady Sabell assures Jamie that she's not with child, that precautions were taken as Tywin requested. The lack of succession confirmed, Lady Westerling then negotiates, in short order, for marriages to lords or heirs for Jane and her younger sister, and matches for her sons too, Rollam, a young boy, and Sir Reynold, who was to have Joy, a bastard daughter of House Lannister. Sybil is none too happy with the match with the bastard daughter, but Jamie has fangs, insisting that Joy is far too nice a girl to wed a traitor. Your daughters were ten of you, my lady. He says before sending her off and wondering how much men ever truly know about their wives. The next morning, Edmure and the Westerlings leave with Sir Forley Prester and 400 men, a doubling of the previous number, and warns Sir Prester that the Blackfish will cut Edmure loose if he can. It's a worry high on Jamie's priorities. Now, Prester has orders to feather both Edmure and Lady Jane if they attempt escape. Both are a danger. The hero man nods in agreement. Jamie rides back past the departing column and see that J- sees that Jane has rent her garments in mourning for Rob and wonders if Circe would do the same for him. And then Jamie rode toward the Frey camp to discuss the release of Walder Frey's Red Wedding prisoners, only to find Sir Edwin, the second heir to House Frey, in a heated discussion with his uncle, Sir Walder Rivers. More on that in the next section. Indeed, but for now. But for now, let's discuss that bit. I call this I call this one a West Wing chapter. Yeah, it's a little interesting because it's it's, it's a lot of walking political. and talking. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot of walk and talk, right yeah. through the halls of the White House. Yeah, and uh, and meetings, <laughs> meetings. <Yep>. Yeah, <laughs> you could see it be being kind of one of those ones where it follows one of those West Wing characters around to like different offices, yeah. and they're just dealing with a lot of different subjects at once. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But it's fascinating. Uh, we were talking about this before we hit record, and Xander was talking about how much George's prose sucks you in, that this isn't a chapter where you have Catelyn getting her neck sliced open or or anything like that. Yet, it's a super interesting chapter. Yeah. It moves along at a great pace, and it's a lot of fun to read. Yeah, and I think it does that because because of the way he brings Jamie's thoughts into those moments, right? You get Jamie's judgments on what's happening, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. We don't really get Jamie until a feast for crows. And, you know, we're getting his perspective from everyone else's point of view. But through these seven chapters, you really learn how sharp he is. It's not really what people mm. think of him for, but his wit is razor sharp, just like the rest of his family. Um, and you get those little snippets in each of these little sections where he's just like making snap judgments on each little section. It's very good. No, it, it it is, and that's that's why I love Jamie so much. He's my favorite character, as I'm sure his mm. m- many other people's favorite character, maybe. Um, but I do love that you put in the um, the summary where, where I have the same note. Um, I wrote, "Love Jamie's insight on how much do we men even know," because that's just. So smart of him to know that, like, yeah, we're we're just pawns in these women's games that we think we're playing, you know. It, mm-hmm. It's a very common phrase in business, at least in my company. You know, knowing what you don't know is hugely yeah. valuable, right? And he's 
acutely aware that she did all this without any of the men in her family knowing. And he's like, hmm, I wonder what's happening in my family that I don't know about. And he, he seems also aware that Jenna is in charge of everything in her family, right? And we'll get to some of that later. But he he's very <laughs> observant of that, right? Speaking of Jenna. Yeah, absolutely. How about Emin Frey? How about this guy? What I love is Jenna was a child when she married him. Ugh. There's like seven years difference or something like that. Seven or eight years difference. Yeah, because she and was only like 12 or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little younger even. And she runs that family yeah. <laughs> with like an iron, iron fist. He's like her child, basically. Yeah, she's and, likely in her 50s now. Um, so older. Right. But yeah, she's running. She's running the show. Uh, and has kind of suffers like she has no patience for this guy. (laughs) And it's, it's low key, maybe like the worst slash best example of how terrible the patriarchy is for, for, for like for women here. Like she deserves a medal for suffering to bear this dude four children as he no doubt oozed red spittle all over her in the process. Gross. Oh, Scott. Thanks for that, Tom. You're welcome. welcome. (laughs) I have a word of the day around this topic. Do you want it? Word of the day! I promise promise it's not the red oozing sex stuff. Uh, The word is emonstrative. Emonstrative. Emonstrative, okay. When you so emphatically want a black fish to be captured that you embarrass yourself in front of peers and family through extreme moaning and whining and its need to be subdued. Emonstrative. Demonstrative. I like it. Man. Very rare, very rarely can be used by anyone out there uh, listening to this episode. But if you need it, <laughs> that's most of our words of the day. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> They're very niche, but so important. is this podcast. Yeah, aren't you all get podcasts? good Scrabble points? <laughs> fair, <laughs> not yours actually, and we'll get to that. <laughs> and we'll get to that, uh, and true crime, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Also not niche. It's like the most niche. It applies to like one crime. <laughs> you're true. You're right. You're right. You're true. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, what do you think about, what do you think about Edmure, smug Edmure, petulant child Edmure being the best Edmure? I love it. I want more Edmure. Great? I think he's so underrated. I want more of him. I, I feel like he's the kind of guy that's like, uh, I don't know what it maybe like is Thor a good comparison in the Marvel movies. Like just this guy who's kind of have it's just been all presented to him. Right. But then like he, mm-hmm. he has to grow up and he like, he, he's kind of doing it right. Like he stepped up, he did the marriage thing. He's dutiful and loves his wife now. And he's kind of stepping up and doing the best for his people. And I don't know. I, I like Edmir a lot. We've defended him a little bit on this podcast. You know, we stood up for him when Rob and the blackfish got all ticked off at him. Mm-hmm. Um, doing what he felt was right and that I would have felt was right too. Uh, you know, bringing his people inside River Run and taking care of them when things were going to crap out in the Riverlands. Um, good guy. I wonder if he's a little bit emboldened by Tom's, Thomas Sevens. You think Tom has, has relayed some information to him that has helped him feel a little more confident? Remember in the last chapter, Jamie left Tom and Edmure alone and uh, Edmure didn't seem very happy about that at the time. Uh, 
but you have to wonder what kind of information is being passed along between those two. I wonder. Probably a floppy fish story. A floppy fish song. (laughs) Um, I will say, I I totally forgot that they straight up just tell you it's Thomas Evans in this chapter. You know, (laughs) I was like, oh, I thought that was something we all figured out. But no, they, George just straight up said it. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those ones where he kind of slaps you with it. Yeah. (laughs) It's a me, a seven streams. It's like a Dario accent. It was not good. Whatever, whatever it was, it wasn't good. Uh, you got time. You got time to redeem yourself, buddy. But... <laughs> uh, no, you're right. Uh, it, it, they do, he does. He leaves him uh, in the tub in the last chapter. Right, Edmure's in the tub, and he leaves Tom to to stay with him. Mm-hmm. The implication is that he's, he's going to sing the reins of Castamere to remind him. Hey, Edmure, I'll really, I'll really put your baby in a trebuchet and send it to you. Uh, this is what Lannisters can do. And remember, I killed a king once. Uh, maybe there's a song about that somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's possible. It's possible. I don't know that we know, but it's possible that Thomas Evans actually chatted with Edmure and said, hey, I got your back. I know some things. We can work some things out. Mm-hmm. In, in a case of which I think, you know, Jamie may have may have been had, right? He got They got the better of him, maybe. I don't think he knew that that would happen. Yeah, I not, honest, yeah, for sure. honestly never thought of that being a situation, you know. I never thought that Thomas Evans would like, especially because we're supposed to get this in the prologue of the next book, or at least that Maybe. Jane yeah, a- is part of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, hey, hey. Let me, let me tell you something. You know, <laughs> we got this whole plan coming. Just give the castle mm-hmm. back, and we'll make this work for you. You know, right? It's possible. Yeah. Then you have to wonder if there could be some surprise. So let's say that that the Brotherhood Without Banners is planning to um, help Edmure and the Westerlings, at least Jane, escape once Sir Forley Prester leaves, and they start heading to the Westerlands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is Tom going to be able to get out the news in time that Jamie doubled twice yeah. the number of, yeah. the, the number of people that have gone with him. So he might've already passed on the information. Hey, there's only going to be a hundred guys, 20 mm-hmm. nights. Uh, so we should be all right. We can do this. And then all of a sudden there's Forley Prester at the head of 400. Uh, if that will throw a little, a little, uh, something into their plans there. Totally. I mean, it was probably going to have to be a stealth kind of mission to begin with. Um, maybe infiltrating, having people in the camp or something already, because they were yeah. going to be outnumbered regardless, right? I mean, I don't think they got a hundred dudes, but um, yeah, very, very interesting. I, I've also wondered because Xander, you're right. This is a commonly held, you know, belief that that's what this chapter is going to be, right? It's going to be the freeing of Edmure by the Blackfish in some sort of ambush situation or. Or something, or maybe they'll skip the action. We'll just get the aftermath, or who knows, right? But it's a pretty commonly held thought in the fandom. But I wonder what it means because, um, you know, we, we get we get the whole scene here where uh, where Jamie's interviewing uh, Seibel and and Jane, and you know, making sure she isn't pregnant. And it really started my brain going a little bit. Like, first of all, she's not pregnant. I mean, it, it would be really surprising if she were it's only been a month since rob 
and Cap left for the twins when the Red Wedding happens. And so maybe Jane, when the Red Wedding happened, could have stopped taking moon tea or whatever and, like, you know, hidden it or used a false bottom or, you know, something to hide the, the tea or whatever and not actually done it. But this chapter takes place, according to the A Song of Ice and Fire timeline that I use sometimes, about six months after Rob has left for the twins. And so she would be... Oh, wow. You know... You would know. We've got kids. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a pregnancy that doesn't show much by six months. But the idea that there'd be zero, zero signs of any kind is pretty rare. All of Jamie's descriptions talk about how willow she is, how small her breasts are, her thin neck. Like, it's all very... It, it's all language painted toward how small she is, right? There's no, there's no swelling going on anywhere. And uh, I mean that in the most respectful way possible to all women who've ever carried a child anywhere. Um, but they affect the body usually in some way. So, and then, and that, so, so then that started me thinking also, so what, what is the narrative purpose of freeing Edmure, right? Like, to some degree, the war seems over, right? Rob is dead. What are they going to do in the Riverlands for combat? Jamie's going back, supposedly. What, what is the narrative reason? We, even, even if Jane were pregnant, do we want that? We got another, we, we want a 15-year gap now for that kid to grow up? What, is it, what does it mean? Like, we have other heirs. We have Bran and Rickon and Sansa and John, maybe, right? What does it mean to the story to free Jane and to free Edmure? I, that was a long thing. I think it is really more so, um, like, yeah, everything, everything you just said, like, yeah, it comes into question why this, why that, especially when time is in consideration. But I think it really is just a rallying point. Yeah. You know, um, especially, especially with how disparate the entire realm is at this time and the each faction has some sort of breaking point um, and each one's trying to find a way to get back together so it even as something small maybe not small but even something as minor as you know breaking Edmure free maybe it's just that little more that like oh we got Edmure now too um, so we can bring him to the neck or wherever the fuck these people are meeting you know <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe a I little like Star Warsian, like you know, the, the spark is still alive, kind of a thing, right? Like you thought yeah. this was over, yeah, we're still working, you know. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good point. That okay. is a good point. I like that. I wondered, you know, we're reaching way into the bottom of the bag here. At least I am. Uh, of if if we've talked about a Red Wedding 2.0, right? That's been theorized in right. the fandom of uh, maybe some phrase getting completely wiped out. Where if Edmure is, uh, you know, if enough phrase get wiped out, and there'd have to be a lot of them, Edmure being married to Rosalyn could mean potentially getting the twins, uh, which could be very good for that side of things. Um, You're talking about whack-a-mole then, with those phrases. <laughs> you, you got, it's like, it's, it's, like it's whack a borderline genocide. whack a stoat. <laughs> whack a stoat. Love it. Uh, and then it could add some gravitas to, uh, to Stoneheart. If potentially um, where, they could come back in touch with each other. Is that wedding? Ha- if, if it's been too long. Is that wedding happening at River Run or is, is the, cause there's a wedding coming up, right? Davin's maybe, or cause Davin was talking about I'll wed my stoat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So red wedding 2.0. Is that the one you were talking about? I assume maybe. 
kill the one that's supposed to happen at River Run and then involve the wolf, wolf pack somehow. Mm. I mm. it's it, again, it's been so long I can't totally remember. Yeah, it'd be yeah. great if Emin got shot with crossbows <laughs> and then fell over the walls into the river, just like Reynold. Vengeance for Reynold. Put it in the, put it in canon. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> uh, want to talk about Jamie the hypocrite? Since everyone loves Jamie on this cast except me. All right, start it off, Scab. Let's get it. It's just one little thing, actually. I, this is okay. This is one of Jamie's to me. One of Jamie's better, uh, you know, less, less conflicting chapters. But you know mm-hmm. how he's always talking about slapping people, and he actually has slapped people with a golden hand like a few times. Yeah. And like, and Cybul is about to hit, 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 hit her daughter Jane, and he's like, "No, no, none of that!" Like in this really like judgmental way. It's like, dude, you hit people all the time. <laughs> like, come on, like For you don't, much less. Like, like catch her <laughs> hand and put less. her down, fine. But no, none of that. Like you're above <laughs> it. I'll have none of that in my presence. Bah. Come on, man. I read it as almost, maybe it's the Nikolai in me, but I read it as kind of more like, none of that. None of that. Like, kind of a... I mean, it's still kind of oh, condescending more, stuff. Yeah, more like a... More like a... Nah, nah, uh-uh. nah, nah, nah. We could all do with a little more Nikolai in us, if I can say that. Ooh. Freezing. Whatever he wants to be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, I made a little note about about uh, Jamie's slapping too. Um, it says he's tempted to hit Edmure. Mm-hmm. A few broken teeth would ruin that smile. I think he says or something like that. Yet he has no problem smacking the crap out of Ryman Frey <laughs> in a previous <laughs> chapter. Yes, <laughs> just for Ryman being Ryman, and just what you're saying, Scott. He just like whacks him, just like open hand. <laughs> Yeah. Just nails him. Yeah. Jamie. So in the chapter after this in Dance of Dragons, uh, he's, he's, he's meeting with both, uh, Blackwood and, and Bracken. Right. And you can just see how he treats them differently just because how he feels about the two men. Like he thinks Blackwood is honorable and he thinks Bracken is a schmuck. And so he just treats them differently. Like it's just the way he approaches the conversations. It's totally different. And same thing with Ryman. He judges Ryman immediately, and maybe you knew him from before, probably, but he, he knows immediately he's not going to respect this guy, and he's going to put him in the dirt, right? Mm-hmm. The guy approaches him drunk and slovenly, and he's like, nah, no, this guy, right. I'm not going to tolerate this. But Edmure is like, look, he, he's okay. thinking about his people, he's being honorable, like, you know, fine. He's right, I yeah. didn't tell him he couldn't let the blackfish go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, even though, you know, he sucks, like, he is internally consistent. Right, like he judges schmucks as schmucks in his inconsistency. Yeah, like consistent in his inconsistency. He kind of—I don't know if this is true. I'd have to go back and look further. But it feels like, at least, Jamie doesn't like punch down. He he Mm. punches across. Like he'll he'll and literally, right, and figuratively. Um, Like he, I think about how good he is to Pia, yeah. uh, how he sticks up for Jane, even though he's right. inserting himself right. in, into the family business here, you know, but yet like Ryman Frey 
the guy who's next in line to take the twins, he has no problems just winding <laughs> up and whacking him in the face. You know, so that's that's something about him, maybe. But I don't know if that's true across Jamie's whole story. But uh, it certainly came to light for me in this chapter and some of the other ones we reviewed. What do you think, Xander, about Jamie's character here? I know we know he's your favorite character. Right. Uh, well, yeah, because we all love a bad boy. Um, yes, we do. But like the scad specifically to what you're saying, I think the moment with um, Jane and Sybil and him stepping in being like, oh, no, 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 you can't hit her. It's it's a it's almost a pity. Mm-hmm. Whereas he almost it, he almost pities Jane in the situation because he even talks about it, you know. He even talks yeah. about like her losing, you know, the her losing Rob and all everything that's going on. He he feels for her in in a pitiful way. Um, yeah, and, and this is just like mark on mm-hmm. for George of like writing his. I don't want to say redemption arc because that's what everybody says, but then everybody wants to argue it's not a redemption arc, but like him just learning and growing. And this is just one of those other notches, you know, Um, it even goes to another note I made um, slightly earlier um, when he's talking about just, um, because Sybil's complaining about how Tywin had promised this and that match for these and this persons, but they were, they were first the true born Lannister is not baseborns and whatever, but one of them, you know, and that whole situation. And I loved, um, what I wrote was cool imagery of Tywin's dead hand moving over pieces of life, like a Savas game. Because mm-hmm. I just love that. Just Jamie's insight to sit there and be like, oh, this old motherfucking asshole. He just, he, he saw so much for it and I'm still dealing with it, even though this asshole's dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. to, so to me, I just, oh. I just see it all as like Jamie just growing and learning in real time as we're reading his chapters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like we said about uh, about pity, and uh, it kind of relates back to what Matt said too about not punching down. Right. Uh, it's almost like he's applying that that morality to yeah. others too. Yeah. Like, you can hit somebody else, but you're not gonna hit, you're not gonna hit somebody below you. Mm-hmm. Like that's not okay. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I, everyone knows, you know, it's been years since Matt and I read this whole series. We read chapters here and there as we prep for episodes and stuff. But I know that I've called Jamie a bully a lot of times on this cast, several times. Um, and He can be. I don't know. Yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of... No, he definitely he is. Where he didn't punch up. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, and I, I don't know many. Most of the time, it seems like he's punching up and not down. So, and, and bullies usually... Or across. Or, yeah, maybe across. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe he jumps and hits down. The the easiest way to think of the three Lannister kids is they're all um what uh what's it called when your parents have trust fund. They're just trust fund kids. Yes. Yes. So um mm. however they think of things, remember they're always trust fund kids. No matter like even Tyrion, that's why like Tyrion's my least yeah. least favorite Lannister. And that is a big reason for it is because he just has that entitlement 
Whereas mm-hmm. like he has his entitlement, Cersei has her arrogance, and then Jamie, he also has his arrogance, but he is willing to relearn it. He seems to be lately, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I feel like yeah, there's lately. A, a not, lot of, not always lately, for sure. I feel like for sure. there's an elitism to Jamie that, mm-hmm. that he just kind of always felt and had. Yeah. Just kind of everyone told him, you're the star quarterback, kid. You're you're the supreme athlete. You're the best yeah. of us. Yep. You're going to have it all. And so he always thought that way of himself. And, um, you know, now he's he's thinking a little bit differently and, and good for him. And we'll get to some more of that, I think, in the, in the next section here, too. But, um, yeah, I think I think lately for sure, you know, he's he's coming around, like you're saying, and, and looking at people differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I like that he's starting to that you mentioned the hand of Tywin Zander, yeah. and I, that's always oh, I present that. for him. And later on in the chapter, he mentions, oh, "What would Tywin do to feed all mm-hmm. these people yeah. now that winter's coming?" You know, like he he finds himself going back to that, but then he quickly kind of yeah. dismisses the thought. Like he's he's definitely he finds himself still falling into that. I got a rule like my dad did because dad was successful and he did it this way. But then he goes, no, I don't though. And he just doesn't uh, like yeah. when Jenna, when is it in this part or the next section where Jenna talks about putting people to the question? I think it's That's in the next, the next one. one. Yeah. Yes. So. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Tywin wouldn't think twice about doing something like that. It would be, First thing he'd have someone else interrogate him, him. But yes. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. They do it. Yeah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't threaten to send their baby in a trebuchet. Tywin would just do yeah. it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jamie has a lot more honor than Tywin ever did. Right. And, and he's made a promise. Uh, he made a promise to Edmure, or any made a promise uh, to Catelyn about, well, this wouldn't really be taking up arms, I suppose, but it'd be violence against them. And he promised Edmure he wouldn't do that. Jamie has some honor in him. No doubt. And I think, you know, all of the Lannister kids have this, um, have this need to, to please their father. They constantly have to shake off, right? Daddy issues. Yeah, daddy issues. All three of them. All three of them. It's got a lot to do with the entitlement and and their arrogance, but they're all shaking it off in different ways. And frankly, Jamie's Mm -hmm. the best at it, right? Yeah. Tyrion just becomes bitter and angry at the world instead of shaking it off in some effective way. Cersei pretends to be someone she isn't, right? To try to become what Tywin wants and, and not shake it off in an effective way. Jamie's trying. I mean, he falls in those habits, like you said, Matt, where he's, how would Tywin do this? But he almost, kind of like we said earlier, how he notices, right, the thing that he knows that he's doing wrong and can see it in himself and he tries to fix it. Yeah. Right? I wonder what else yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I know now that I'm trying to, emulate Tywin and I shouldn't be. Let's fix that. <laughs> right. 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 Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> um, let's, let's address a little, a little theory, maybe a, a tiny controversy in the, in the fandom. Jane's narrow hips, right? <laughs> Catelyn mentions in previous chapters describing Jane that she's got, she's got pretty good hips. She could bear some children. <laughs> Jamie has a different opinion. George has said that it's uh, that it was just a mistake, right? Yeah. Um, what do y'all think? Is that really Jane? Are they using a stand-in as part of a scheme? What's going on? Yeah, I've heard it could be her younger sister, which seemed unlikely. I don't remember the age difference, but that seems unlikely. But a stand-in would be more likely. But 
I, I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm willing to just take George's word for it. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> fine. Yeah. You made a mistake. It's okay. Um, so I, that's, that's exactly my thing is I'm just going to take George's word for it. He made a mistake. Apparently they edited it in later editions. Cause I remember when I was reading this chapter to prepare for this episode, um, my, uh, feast for crows is the first, first edition. Um, cause I mm. pre-ordered it, you know? Cool. Um, nice. So when I got to that section, I was like, Oh yeah, I think George, you know, they edited this in later editions. And then not two paragraphs later, there was such a big fucking typo. And I was just like, all right, all right. <laughs> that was a mistake. Then I'm convinced. Cause I think it was supposed to say, did they spell like, Jane J A N E? No. Yeah. I think it was just supposed to say like L I K E. And it was just, not even close, you know. Just somebody <laughs> hammered on the keyboard. It's fine. L I C. Yeah, something, something ridiculous like Lyway, like L I. I frequently accidentally type lime instead of like on my phone. I get lime a lot. You get lime. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, George wasn't typing this on a phone, though. That's so. true. That's fair. Yeah. So there's no autocorrect. So. He wouldn't know. Oh. Um, that's uh, that's fine with me. I'm good with that because that's how I feel as well. Yeah. Just a mistake. Yeah. Um, it is kind of weird that like they make specific mention that as they're leaving, right, to the Westerlands that Jane is hidden in a cloak and he doesn't get a look at her yeah. face, right? Um, yeah. But I can't. Is, my my thoughts don't lead anywhere on that. It's a little weird, because but like my thought, Sybil's trying to hide her. What like that? Yeah, it's a little weird because she's playing yeah, both sides so, or something. No, see, my thoughts don't lead anywhere. There. See again with that. Um, I mean, like she ripped her clothes in mourning. Like she's just like fucking sitting like this. Yeah. Like I don't think it's that weird. Like if if my husband just died, I'd be fucking sitting like this with my hood over my head too, you know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I wonder if, I, I wonder if, if the rent clothes and the, the hood in the morning is more about, uh, getting to the, getting Jamie to the thought about thinking about Circe rather than the other way around. See, like George knew he wanted yeah. him to think yeah. about Circe in this way. And so he put that in there to make him think of, you know what I mean? Like, see, hey, I get, I could see that too. Yeah. I like that buddy. Yeah. Squirrels find nuts sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> You're a freaking chipmunk, Scat. That's what you are. That's fair. I'll, I don't know what Alvin. it means, but I'll take it. Alvin. Uh, I don't either. I don't either. Um, the only thing I really have in this chapter is I love Jamie's sassy closing lines whenever he ends a conversation. Like every one of these conversations ends with some sort of sass and I love it. I love it. And this one we get the I've been despised by better men than you, Edmure. Mm-hmm. And then of course what he says to Sybil, no more than I want Joy to marry the son of some scheming turncloak bitch. She deserves better. And your daughter is worth ten of you? Is that it? Yeah. yeah. That too? yeah. Oh man. I wish I was as smooth as him. <sighs> Just eviscerate people when like, you leave a room. Come on. 
it drops that mic again it comes somewhat to the privilege right like he knows he's kind of immune yeah. to any sort of backlash yeah so it's yeah it's, what are you gonna do Sybil? <laughs> yeah, i mean have you ever been in situations where like you're with strangers they don't know who you are there's there's literally no consequences to what you're doing <laughs> I, I, so it doesn't happen often. I remember I've never told this story. We get, it's rare we get new stories on this podcast. We've told so many of our stories. Mm. But I remember when I was just barely out of college and I was just looking for work and I didn't have a job anywhere. And I answered one of those ads. It's very clearly like, we need 20 people to do this and that. And I'm like, what is this? Let me go. And so I went. I like wore my little suit. They're like, we need 20 people to walk around neighborhoods and sell cleaners. And, you know, like I was an arrogant 22 year old and i'm like i don't need this like i can find something else and so the guy was like he's like he got done giving his fired up pitch and he's like all right who's with me and there's like two other people in the room and they're like yeah and i was like no thanks so I just put it back <laughs> at him right because like i didn't know him i didn't need him and i was just smug and terrible to him and i felt a little bad later but also i had just listened to this pep talk for 10 minutes and i was out and so I just I was just really smug and arrogant and mean about it. Jamie can be that way because he has he faces no consequences from anybody. Yeah, He's the top of the list. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And these people, most of them, deserve it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As stories like go, that. that was more like a five. <laughs> I I kind of like the story. All right. I, no. like, I kind of like seeing these these the younger side of Scad. It was pretty good. Reminded me All of right. when I went door to door selling bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Did fucking horrible job. Hated it. Was it awful? I hope it wasn't really bullshit you're selling because that's a tough sell. No, it was. It was like it wasn't even door to door. It was like business to business selling like everything from a kitchen scale to a flat iron to toys to just garbage shit. Wow. I remember one of the neighborhoods I went in. It was a. Uh, auto shop and these dudes were rolling dice and they wanted to roll dice for merchandise so i i fucking rolled dice for merchandise <laughs> that's awesome whatever you gotta do <laughs> did, did, did so did they get anything good no they got like fucking ten dollars out of me like nothing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing good nothing good i'm always intrigued by those business models uh edmir gives a nice tribute uh, to River Run, to his dad. I did like that, about yeah. How angry he has, is at him. It was nice. I like Edmir. That's all. I do too. Anything else in this section, Xander, before we move on? Um, yeah, no. Because Reynold Westerling is in the next session. So, yeah. We're good. Indeed. Well, let's, uh, let's take a break from the chapter then and get to know you a little bit. Yes. So we operate a lot on Twitter. We're on Facebook rarely. You've previously confessed that you don't know how to use Twitter. And uh, I don't know how either, but I do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so tell the fandom who you are. What do you do? What what drives what drives Xander? Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm Xander. Uh, family and friends are what people are what drive me. Um, hmm. I don't really know how to put it. Um, best way I can put it is in the last probably eight years of my life, um, I felt like my life wasn't for myself. It was to help others. It sounds less depressing in my head, 
but like <laughs> you know I'm, I'm 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 there to provide and be there and yeah i don't i don't know i i was gonna say you find fulfillment yeah there. yeah pretty much um right yeah just something i've always i've always known um i grew up watching you know my parents and other elderly people take care of other people so like i grew up knowing that and then when you become adult, then it becomes your responsibility. So like friends and family and being there and taking care and helping. And that's, that's what drives me. People drive me. So is it like a, I'm just going to delve a minute. Mm -hmm. Is it like a, a small group of people that you feel, you feel that bond with that you want to help and make sure they're okay? Or is it like general humanity? Yes. General humanity. Uh, Just anybody. All of it. Yes. Yes. Um, Because it is like, obviously, my family uh, that's always comes first in anybody's lives, you know? Uh, You you guys both have children, so you understand. I don't. Um, But I understand in a different way. Um, But then, yeah, like your close friends too. And then just everybody else after that, you know, you kind of. You're all, we're all here for a purpose, um, so why not make that purpose to be pleasant and help in, in, in any small situation you can? I love that. Me too. I wish I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It took <laughs> I, me years to get here, man. Um, um, I call myself a pessimistic optimist. Like it, it took me years to get to this sort of zen state I have. You do, you do carry that. You feel like just talking to you, you feel very Zen to me. Just, just at peace with who you are and what you're doing. At peace. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I, I'm envious. I, I appreciate Which, that. Thank did you, you have any, did you have any, did you have any moments where it like light bulb moments for you to help you get to oh, that point? Oh, or has yeah. it been pretty gradual? Oh, no, over, constantly. Over time? Um, like both, um, they're both, um, like just certain situations, just like, yeah, like you said, lightning bolts to get there, but also growing with it as well. Mm. Um, uh, you get the lightning bolt, then you got to put the work in. Yeah. It, yeah. Pretty bolt. much. Um, like the, the easiest way I can explain it is, um, so my earliest memories are playing hide and seek in a funeral home. Fun okay. story. Great. I'm unpacking uh-huh. it. I'm unpacking it. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I, I pretty much just grew up with deaths surrounding me and my family. Like uh, it was almost on a time clock. Somebody would die and there'd be a service and funeral and everything. I'd have to attend to um, everything from like distant relatives to like close people. Um, like I think I've been a pallbearer five times, you know, both for family members and close friends. Um uh, like one of one of the biggest things for me is my uncle. Um, last weekend, um, last Sunday, uh, was the ninth anniversary of his suicide, and that was mm-hmm. probably the s- second major kind of lightning, like you said, Matt. Because um, one of my friends a couple years before also committed suicide, so it was just like. Those are the two major events in my life that like were that lightning bolts, but because I was still young and still growing up, that it was it didn't quite get me to the point I am now. It's just you know a mm-hmm. decade later, you know, kind of yeah. where you get to this sort of s- certain point where 
you know, it's, it's, life's the flap of a butterfly's wings and you got to make it, make it what you want it to be. Make it a good place for people. Make it a good place for people. So do you, are you kind of motivated in, in a way to, to help people not get to that, that point oh, where absolutely. That your uncle got yeah. to, that oh, your friend got to always. Yeah. And so to be that, because I know that, you know, I've lost friends to, to suicide as well. And it just kills me inside to think about what they're, what they were thinking about in those final moments and how lonely they must yeah. have felt. And, um, so I can see why you would be motivated by that or why that would be a lightning bolt yeah. for you. Sorry, Scott, I started talking when you were talking. No, it's fine. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I could probably talk to Xander about this for hours if, if we let me, but, yeah. um, but maybe off we're, done with, it, maybe off we're done with Jamie. We're done with Jamie. Well, it's, it's very, uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty personal, I guess, but was it the nature of the suicide and your uncle's death? The, the fact that they were both deaths causing like a life is fleeting light bulb, but you didn't know what to do with, with, with the life is fleeting thing to, to resolve that. Or was it, was it, were they different different light bulbs uh, so uh, honestly there were two different light bulbs because there's two different times in my life um but because i was always um a depressed and suicidal person as well um mm. it hits different you know um yeah. especially now in hindsight like again like it took me years to get where i'm at to be mm. able to even just talk about this the way i am or to be comfortable in the way I speak about it. Um, if it's too much, please. I don't. Oh no, 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 no! You guys are good. Um, okay. It's just, uh, yeah, that's that's it. it and I don't want to use their deaths as like, oh, I'm such a good person now because yeah, I went yeah. through. You know, it's 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 just one of those yeah. things that like. It's things I've experienced in my past, and in hindsight, I can see how much it has affected me and affected how I am able to view everything else. Hmm. Yeah. I love that you're able to see that. Yeah. yeah. Like, it gave you a new lens to to experience things through almost. That's heavy. <sighs> That's that, that is That is fascinating that's noble that's admirable that's very cool thanks for sharing that yeah i try i try thank you but but it's it's so deep i don't want to ask the next question which is which seems frivolous in comparison oh no that's i mean (laughs) we gotta ask it anyway that's exactly the thing is like yeah we got deep but like that's that's my whole point we can get deep and then we can still continue having a good time yeah. That's yeah. that's the whole mo of my thing. Like I'm here for people. I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to make people happy. Could talk about real things. Still gonna make you happy though. Yeah, yeah. And we can also start quoting Kevin Smith. It's just, <laughs> but um, so so you obviously are well versed in the Song of Ice and Fire yeah. world, and this will probably bleed into the next question about Vassals of Kingsgrave. But tell us about your other fandoms that you belong to or that you're interested in. Um, realistically probably the only other like fandom i'm involved in and i'm not even involved in is star wars and that's nice. just because star wars has always been a part of my life like same thing with funeral homes the earliest memories you know my parents had the taped vhs's of you know the tv releases in the mid to late 80s or whatever you know 
Mm-hmm. So I just mm-hmm. always grew up on that, but I'm not involved mm-hmm. in that Star Wars or, or that fandom because it's toxic as fucking. I'm not interested. It's a scary <laughs> place to be, brother. It's a scary like, place to dude, be. Dude, let me just yeah. like turn on my space hopper fantasy and enjoy myself <laughs> for 30 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like it's so it's so big and so difficult to avoid the bad yeah but i haven't even tried to wade in yeah it's almost like it needs like some small carving out of of the good people that want to just right no and enjoy it in a good way and that's my thing if you want to enjoy star wars enjoy star wars don't get involved in the fandom just just watch the movies read the books watch, watch the shows what whatever you want enjoy that you know don't yeah. listen to anybody else but it's sad and I, I don't know why but but i feel like the the fandom for Song of Ice and Fire has been so rewarding. Yeah. Right. It's been a huge part of the journey for me yeah. with these books. And it's sad that that doesn't exist for me. I feel like it's almost unique. It doesn't feel like many fandoms have that to me. I mean, and I know there's bad parts of the Song of Ice and Fire fandom too, but it seems much smaller comparatively. I mean, Star Wars kind of did have that during the dark times. Uh, because I know I was huge into the expanded universe and I was talking to people about like the different books and comics and shit, but um, because it is just such a corporate conglomerate now, yeah, any mm-hmm. asshole can say whatever the fuck they want about it. Yeah. And they yeah, do. And they absolutely, they do not hold back and it's bullshit. <laughs> I'm uh I found a, a group on Facebook called what's it called the non toxic Star Wars fan base. Yeah, I've I've gotten so, that. So Scad, you mentioned it for me. <laughs> and uh and 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 it is it is quite positive, but uh, it kind of annoys me because it's almost too positive. Yeah. <laughs> too positive so, for you, Matt. You're pretty positive. It's almost, it's almost like if you if you have any sort of. Uh, beef with any tiny little part of the show you are ostracized so uh it's almost too far to in the other direction so it's out there but i agree with xander just let it live in your own little mind there and enjoy your space it's hard hard for some of us you guys are good at it i'm not i'm not so good at it well let's let's talk vassals of kingsgrave so yeah so matt and i have been very honest on this show i'm sure you've heard xander that we don't listen to much anymore. Yeah. Uh, I remember listening to a Vassal of Kingsgrave podcast years and years ago, uh, mm-hmm. but I haven't listened to hardly anything in the last year and a half. Uh, but when I went looking, I was like, oh my God, it's huge. <laughs> like we're, we're on episode, what is it? What is it? 126. I think we're on yeah, 700 we, episodes. We just hit 700. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but it's not just Song of Ice and Fire, for those that don't know. Tell us tell us more about it. Tell us how this yeah, works. Yeah, the format and everything yeah. is very yeah, fascinating. It's, it's, it's cool. Um, so it's, it's, it's not my, pad, my podcast. Um, I'm just a part of it. It is a, um, it's a listener podcast. Um, so anybody is free to join, um, whether you want to join a podcast or just join in the discussion on our Discord. Because um, we, we were, we used to be on... A podcast device and uh, fires forums, um, but then like during the pandemic and everything. Uh, long story short, we switched to Discord. Um, but it, it, it's a listener podcast. We talk. Uh, obviously, our 
bread and butter, um, the meat and potatoes. It's all A Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, everything. That's why we're all here. Um, but yeah, we cover um, cover everything. Um, video games, movies, TV shows, books, uh, music, you know. Um, Agatha Christie recently. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's, that's a new one. Um, that's actually really fun. Bina, Bina 007 started that one. Um, I never read Agatha Christie. Um, so when she, when she pitched the, um, series, I was like, you know what? I never, I never actually read Agatha Christie. I'm going to join this podcast, you know? Um, so, so far, um, she's been doing many pods on certain other books, but then we have like the main books that we're all reading and doing for the podcast. We did one so far that was, um, the murder of Roger, Ooh, can't remember. Aykroyd. Roger Aykroyd. No, it's Roger Aykroyd. Um, fantastic. I never read Agatha Christie before. Fantastic book. I'm so happy. So, like, that's one of the things I love about um, Vassals of Kingsgrave is, like, I never read Agatha Christie, um, but because she came up with the series, I was like, yeah, I'm in. Let me join this reread, um, even though it's my first reread. And, yeah, it's great. It's a uh, super fun. <laughs> so what got me into I, podcasting? I, I saw episodes just about like like monsters or creatures, like just oh yeah, cre- random lore creature episodes. creature yeah. chat. That's a lot. The creature chat's a great one too. Yeah, South African cinema. Oh yeah, the like, movie passport yeah. series. That's great as well. Yeah, this is great. Um, I listened to your. Uh, I I listened to the seven hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. House of Dragon, which features you and a big oh, yeah. cast. Yeah, there, uh, there's sometimes a lot of us on a call, upwards of eight <laughs> or more. Well, I think there's eight or nine yeah. on this on the House of the Dragon preview episode, episode 700, yep. for our listeners out there. VOKpodcast.com to check out all the episodes. Um, actually, yeah, maybe more. Yeah, like nine <laughs> of you. What's that like being on? Oh, a call with nine it's other definitely people. challenging. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. definitely challenging, especially because like, um, so like how the three of us are doing this right now, we're all on laptops and whatever. Um, with VOK, it's international. Um, it's all time zones. It's literally everybody. So you could be podcasting from a phone, a computer, from Iceland, New Zealand, you know, we got everybody. <laughs> so sometimes it is difficult in terms of quality or like being able to not step on each other's cho- toes. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we're, we're very lucky. Um, it's, it's a really fantastic group. I love every single one of them, um, especially because I've been, I've been a part of the Fastlows of Kingsgrave community for six or seven years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So it's really great because a lot of us have, have been there for that time, if together. not longer. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, um, you know, because the podcast has been going on for nine, ten years or something like that. Um, I may be wrong and somebody's going to call me out for it when this episode releases, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, nobody's listening. <laughs> but it, it, it's great because, like, um, you know, it is it, it is almost, it almost is like a family. It's, it's just a very nice group. Um you know so you kind of learn each other you learn how to 
be able to work with so many people. Um, plus then we mm-hmm. do have our amazing, amazing, um, hosts that corral everybody and, you know, do all the har- heavy lifting <laughs> while the rest of us are yeah. trying mm-hmm. to just nerd out. That's great. Uh, Lots of different types of, of information on there. Check it out, Vassal Kingsgrave, uh, and get involved. The, I've yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, I'd love to do a podcast. Yeah. Like, go get involved. Absolutely. It like just just um, join the community and jump in where you're interested. Just hop in our Discord, introduce yourself um, if you're interested in um, one of the podcasts that we're gonna do. Um, show your interest. We're we're always we're always welcoming more people. Sounds like a great community. Fantastic. I love that. What a cool way to to interact and produce content Mm -hmm. and find community. It's great. I love it. So Xander, we, so uh, I do a test call uh, before, before we chat uh, during the cast, I do a test call with, with all of our guests just to make sure we can hear each other and create the sound and everything. And we always end up talking about talking about shit in our lives and everything we spoke a little bit about your career and I wanted to know more. And I, we kind of said, well, let's, let's wait. <laughs> let's talk about it on the cast, uh, specifically body modification, hanging suspension. Well, let's start with your career in general and then we'll get into the, the deeper stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, this is fun. I like talking about this sometimes. Um, <laughs> it, well, sometimes. it helps that we're not at a bar and you guys are drunk asking me questions. um no it's uh it's great um so i have been a uh, professional piercing artist for um about 10 years maybe a little more um i've also managed managed um tattoo studios for over half of that time probably two-thirds of the time um and it's 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 awesome it's a lot of fun um yeah shoot me questions i don't know i don't know how to talk about it what do you like about it the the people aspect like i was saying before i'm helping people you know it's it's not necessarily like help them get over a divorce or something but it's something they want and i can do it for them and just the joy and excitement they have you know like if somebody just wants to like a nose piercing you know being able Mm -hmm. to do it safely cleanly properly give them all the information and then afterward they just be so happy because they got Mm -hmm. this thing they've wanted or, um, that, you know, whatever reasoning they might've wanted it. It's just, it's great to see this just to, to be able to make somebody ecstatic about themselves like that. About themselves. I love that an authentic way to express themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, and how oh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah. Is that usually, is that usually it? So I've, I've got no piercings, mm-hmm. no tattoos myself. Uh, Eowyn has one. I got plenty to uh, cover you. You're good <laughs> to cover for, to, to for bring all up of the us. average. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but is that, is that usually the reason? Is it usually self-expression or is it, is that, I mean, more often than not, everyone's yeah, different. So the easiest way I like to explain body modification and I use that term as in piercings, tattoos, whatever else. Um, easiest way to explain it to, um, anybody is like 
you know, if you if you have brown hair but you dye it red, you know, that's that's a form of body modification. That's a form of altering your self because it's something that you personally would like or would want kind of thing. Um, yeah. So it, it it is mostly self-expression. Sometimes it's it's more to people, but that gets with more extreme things rather than just like a nose piercing or something like that. Body image. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, it really is like the only reason I have like nose piercings or even like a beard or anything is just because I like how I look with it, you know? Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. the same way with tattoos or piercings. Yeah. So, so let's move from, from the, the typical mm-hmm. to <laughs> what I've always, when I've seen it, I've said, ouch. Yeah. Right. And I've never understood it. And I realize I come off just totally, you know, uh, I don't know, like, like an old fuddy duddy or something, <laughs> but what, what is it that people get out of hang like the hanging suspension from, from, from piercings? Like all I can think of is ow, but I've heard people say it doesn't hurt really once you get used to it Uh, i mean it's it's still a piercing but instead of an 18 gauge nostril piercing it's a four gauge hook essentially um Mm -hmm. this is always very hard to explain to anybody who hasn't experienced it themselves um because trust me like my parents and my grandmas and relatives they don't they fucking don't know. They don't get it at all. <laughs> They're just like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, you think yeah, that's nice. I'm glad you're happy, <laughs> you know? I'm glad you're <laughs> <Yeah>. happy. Yep. <laughs> um, we love that. But really, it's, it's very similar to why somebody would jump out of a plane or bungee <laughs> jump or go down a very big water slide. It's, um rush it's 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 part it's an experience yeah it's it's part that rush it's part that adrenaline um but with suspensions specifically at least to me um it can be a very um a very insular and Mm. personal experience Mm. You know, um, because it's, I don't know how to describe it. So you're just hanging from your back, you know? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that is going to put you in the air is yourself. So in these situations, it's not like somebody's just pulling the rope and pulling you up in the air. You have to put yourself in the air. You have to make that literal step. Um, yeah. And so it's like accomplishment. It's, and it's self-reliance. It's accomplishment. It's, yeah, self-reliant uh, resilience. It's, it's um, sometimes spiritual. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, I mean, because it is from ancient spiritual rituals, you know, this is all, all, all tattooing and piercing and any practice in that category is all ancient rituals, mm-hmm. you know? Um, sure. yeah. And with, with suspension specifically from my own experience, it is very moving. Um, hmm. 
it's it's yeah it's it's pretty indescribable wow yeah when you put it that way about you taking that step Mm -hmm. i can see why that could be almost a spiritual thing that's very yeah because nobody will for nobody will force you up if you don't want to go up that's fine Mm -hmm. um yeah well, I'll tell you this. Uh, you, you sounded, uh, I don't know about reticent, but 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 like maybe it would be difficult to describe. But the way you've described it, I'll definitely look at it differently from now on for sure. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's almost like you mentioned it's kind of almost akin to bungee jumping or jumping out of yeah. a plane or something where you, you know, that's that's something where you have to take the step. But any, you know, generally, if you're jumping out of a plane, you've got that professional right there on top of you strapped to you ready to help if things go right. wrong and, and things like that. But this is very much a, this is a you accomplishment yeah. type yeah. of thing. And the reward that can come yeah. from that has to be pretty mm-hmm. intense. Right. That's exactly it. And especially because wow. again, like, like you're saying, like if you're going skydiving, you got the professional on your back who's, he's going to pull the shoot. He's going to make sure you land safely. He's going to make sure you have a good time. Whereas this, while you do still have that support, it is yeah. all your choice. Not not as mm-hmm. in like it's on you, like there's a pressure on you. It's you're the one who's going to make the decision if you take off on the ground. You're the one who's going to make the decision of if you want to just kind of stand there and aisle around, tiptoe, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is very very personal it's it's probably the closest thing i've ever i've ever gotten to i don't know some sort like a a revelation of some sort Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know like a religious experience uh, something it's just it's probably the most not out of body experience I almost said um, out of body. But it, it is. Because it's very it, body. Because, yeah, no, but then I'm like, there's no way you can feel out of your body. You're, yeah, you're it. very aware. You're aware of it the entire time. Um, it is just a very. It fulfills your heart if you allow it. I love that. Wow. I love the, the, new, the new ways I'm seeing things <laughs> just from this episode. I love it too. Thank you. I love it too. Xander, what's something in your life that you're proud of? You've taught about a lot of things that I think you're very proud of, but. Yeah. What uh, do you got? All that, I guess. Um, proud, proud of my mm-hmm. career. Um, proud of my friends and family. Uh, sheesh. I guess uh, I'm proud of myself for still being here. Bring back to that. Yeah. I'll bring back to that. I'm proud of myself for being here, being resilient and strong enough, and able to get through it with myself and the help of family and friends. Because everybody needs that once in a while. I'm really happy you're here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yep. Man, I'm proud yeah. of that too. <laughs> that you're here. That's awesome. Yeah, this is a heavy episode. Shit. Well, we'll go a little lighter. Right. How about a recommendation? Yeah, book, lighter. book, band, One movie, All right. TV show. Um, it can be heavy too if you want. Nah, I'm, oh, heavy metal? No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm really bad at like keeping up with movies, TV shows, 
books, music. I mean, like like I was telling you, Matt, like I hadn't even finished the newest season of Umbrella Academy yet. Well, that's that's been out forever. <laughs> um, so I was when I was thinking of this question, knowing you guys are going to ask me, I was like, all right, what can I do? And I was like, okay, music wreck, Interpol. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's why okay. I put these. That's Tell why I put more. these two records right here for. People yep. listening, you can't see. I put two records in my background. Um, yeah, Interpol, amazing band. Um, well, uh, they're post-punk revival band from the late '90s, New York City, um, Manhattan is where they're from, I believe. Um, fantastic. I've seen them so many times. My sister and I have traveled to New York to see them twice. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it's cool. fucking awesome. They're, they're so good. The, uh, I know that's Turn On The Bright Lights mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And is the other good, one the, the love? I love to admire. I forget the, yep. yes, okay. Hell yeah. That's what's up, Matt. I love that. Matt knows his music. Yeah. No, I. Most of it. I, some I, of it. I figured, you know, I was, I was on the fence if you would know this one or not. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. Yep. Because I'm the guy that listens to John Mayer, but also, you know, <laughs> Interpol. So, <laughs> whatever. Nas, uh, Common, you know, whoever. But, oh. Um, yeah, good stuff. I am Interpol. seeing Wu-Tang and Nas next month, though. Oh, are you going to that? Yes. <laughs> oh. Chase, our uh, buddy, Ghost Chase Killa, he's trying to get me to meet him in Texas to go see that the date there but uh, it's yeah. not gonna happen. no probably so not i'd love to <laughs> please report back on how it is oh I, please report i will back. Yeah. very cool well let's get back to the chapter a little bit what why did you choose this chapter we talked maybe a little bit about it already but what do you what do you love about it this is my favorite part i was waiting for this one so remember when i sent you um the chapter number and the book yes Got the book wrong. Wait, what? <laughs> so, I had sent you that it was Feast for Crows. It was Storm. My original chapter that I was picking was the White Tower one, where he's reading the white book. Wait, I screwed that up or you screwed that no, up? No, I did. Okay. No way. But then, when I was like double-checking the doc and looking at it, I was like, oh, fuck me. I said the wrong one, but then I was reading the chapter and I was like, actually, this is perfect because this is a, a <laughs> great follow no up way. to that because it talks about the same shit. Yeah, I screwed up. That's funny. This is so cool. That's the first time that's ever even remotely the happened only, with us on this. The only reason I'm bummed is because I wanted to name that episode Sir Jamie Lannister. Oh, because I thought uh-huh. that would have been cool. Like, yeah, uh-huh. Tower of the White Hand, mm-hmm. Sir Jamie Lannister. But yes, uh, Sir Jamie Lannister. But yeah, no. And it's kind uh, of the moment that chapter two where he really kind of really yeah. embraces what it means to be a right. sir, to be a, a real knight, a right? Sir, That's yeah. why it's so funny that the one I accidentally picked is the perfect follow-up for that chapter. Yeah, you got the, this, yeah. this whole book of growth, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really is. kind of the yeah. culmination of that. Yeah, and I love yeah. it. How fascinating. <laughs> and I love that you didn't tell us until right here, right <laughs> no, now. No, because why would I, why would I stress y'all so out? Great. That is so great. Because when you gave me the chapter, 
originally, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's the that's the baby trebuchet one. Right. We yeah. Chatted about it very briefly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a great chapter. He bargains the blackfish, and then I read it. I'm like, oh no, wait, that's the wrong one. I think I sent a message to you too, Matt. Yeah. Like, I got the chapter In, wrong. Yeah. It's this one. Yeah. <laughs> he sent me a text message. He sent me a text message and I was on vacation. He's like, talk to Xander. He's great. He wants to do the Blackfish Jamie chapter in Feast for Crows. And I was like, oh, great. That's an awesome chapter. And then you sent me yeah. the follow-up. I don't know if it was a couple hours <laughs> later the next day or something. Like, Actually, it's <laughs> the one after that. Because it's funny. Well, because, because those chapters very easily could kind of go together. I oh, mean, 100%. They must happen. Yeah you know like days apart at most it's one of those it's one of those times where you actually feel how george writes chapter blocks because you know he wrote those two right after the other right Mm -hmm. but also it's it's good that they're split because they have such a different tonal feel yeah the one of them is it's very much i've got to resolve this problem Mm -hmm. and and this one is very much what i call denouement you know, like it's a uh, denouement. It's the falling <laughs> action, right? It's, it's uh, everything's done. Oh my God. What does that mean for everyone? Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. It, it's very tonally different, but you, so, so uh, temporally close together. So yeah. it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I, I think, I think my brain put them together and didn't realize they were two. Right. Cause I haven't read these in so long. Yep. That's cool. That's it. And that we haven't read these in a long time. Yeah, have not, uh, but enjoying them every time. It's it's one of the best parts about this format, right? Is we had to jump around and read stuff that we haven't read in a while, and usually, you know, we'll read a few chapters around that, right? And so we get you know, right, we get a few, yeah, right. We were so structured for so long, right? Right, you know, yeah. Five chapters per episode, and it was always the next up on the list. Yep. That getting these, it's always one of my favorite parts of doing Meet the Calisar is what's, what's it gonna the chapter be? gonna be? Yeah, what's the chapter gonna be? Yeah. And, yeah. Well, all right, let's move on to the second summary section here. Let's dive right in. Yep. My father's blood is on your hands, sir. Oh, dude, that escalated fast. Yes, the Freys seem to blame Jamie for the death of the heir to house Frey, Sir Ryman. Jamie had sent Ryman home to the twins in the last chapter due to Ryman's incompetence, and that's putting it lightly. That's right. And now, apparently, he was deet. He and around 15 knights and guardsmen were overcome by bandits and hanged. A bold party to do so to such a number. Edwin, the new heir to House Frey, suspects foul play by Black Walder to remove an heir that keeps him from being the head of House Frey. But Walder Rivers? Yeah, they're different. Says there's no way that Black Walder could have been known known of Ryman's departure. Unless Edwin says there were spies in Ryman's group. And Jamie, having no patience for any of this family drama, requests from them both that whomever has the power to do so needs to send all of Walder's hostages to River Run. That's right. All of the Red Wedding hostages are to be sent there. Jamie asks specifically about Reynold Westerling and if he's still alive. Succinctly, no. He was killed by many and fell over the wall. He's a corpse in the river. They are certain. Or mostly certain. (laughs) Probably dead. Mostly dead. Listen, he's dead. I'm sure mostly mostly dead. dead. (laughs) On the morrow, Jamie readies to leave to cow Lord Blackwood, one of the last remaining holdouts in the Stark War effort. But before leaving camp, Jamie falls in another attempt to defeat Sir Ilan in training, mock dying twice. He then seeks Ilan's clacking advice about what to do with Cersei. 
Dylan recommends killing her. <laughs> but Jamie knows he can't. It would be too hard on Tommen. He just can't. The next day, a party in search of the Blackfish reports of an attack from a fearless pack of wolves, led, apparently, by a female direwolf. Jamie seems to put more stock in this direwolf tale than most, and wonders if it could be the same one that attacked Joffrey. Tidying up some last business before leaving for Raven Tree Hall, the home of the Blackwoods, Jamie allows Strongboar to go hunt Sandor Clegane and Beric Dondarrion in the Riverlands, and dismisses the garrison at Riveron, allowing him to leave so long as they swore not to fight House Lannister again. Two men also take the Black. But most interesting is where Jamie's thoughts go during this time. He wants to be with his king, with his son. He wants to tell Tommen the truth and somehow removes Cersei from her position before she spoils Tommen and turns her into another Joffrey. He wants to set things right, give Tommen a chance. And meanwhile, Emmon successfully takes over ruling at Riverrun as Jamie looks on with Thomas Evans. Jamie recognizes Tom as previously serving with Sir Ryman. Tom's decided to stay at Riverrun for the winter and try to win the job of their in-house minstrel. Jamie advises him to please Jenna if he wants the job. Yeah. Pleasing Jenna's the way to go, like always. <laughs> that night, Jamie dreams of his mother, a cryptic, beautifully written dream that is Joanna Lannister reminding Jamie who his father was and what he wanted for his children, to be a knight and a queen. Dreams, Jamie argues, have come true. His mother cries a single tear and disappears. Right, and then at that point, Jamie awakes to snow. Winter is marching south, and half of the granaries are empty. There be no more plantings, and Jamie feared that feeding the realm through winter would be a tall order. A letter has also arrived for Jamie, from Cersei, and in Kyburn's hand. Come at once, it says. Help me. Save me. I need you now as I have never needed you before. I love you. I love you. I love you. Come at once. Maester Vyman waits patiently as Jamie reads the letter. Does my lord wish to answer? He asks. Jamie rolled the parchment up and handed it to Peck. No. Put this in the fire. That's a good Jamie, Xander. I like it. Yeah, that. you gave me chills when you were... <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Because it was... The performance was... It's not dismissive. It's like... It was, well, it was not the, just dramatic, but like meaningful. Yeah, there's a period. There's a period at the end. It's it's done. Yeah. It's it is. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Uh well, let, let's just jump right to it. I mean, that, that's the that's the big moment of the chapter right there. Uh, so we in Cersei's previous chapter, I think it's the one that directly precedes this. It is. Uh, yeah, it might be one before that, but. Uh, she sends this letter. She she dictates this letter to uh, to Kyburn. Um, the same same exact words here that we read, I think. Um, and now he's reading it and essentially seems like turning it down. At least keeping his options open. Of never got it. Don't know what you're talking about. You guys mm-hmm. have thoughts on this decision that he's making here? Um, I think it, I don't think it's as dismissive as like, I get it. Can't blame me. (laughs) I think, uh, again, with 
with Jamie's growth and Jamie's growing understanding, um, it is him making a decision um, to separate himself from the only woman he's ever loved, you know? Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, and I, I think, I think I agree because of where we are earlier in this chapter with his thoughts Yeah, and how he's talking about, you know, telling Tom in the truth, moving him forward in his life, removing her from a situation. And it's a little caustic, but he's looking for a way to do that. What better way than having her in prison or dead, right? <laughs> and, uh, I, it's 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 pretty brutal, right? But it does kind of answer that question of how can I get her out of the way and and make this change? It's it's a hard line, brutal brutal take, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, in a previous meet the Kalisar. We covered Jamie at Tywin's funeral, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Covered Jamie one mm-hmm. of this same book. Yep. So it's kind of interesting to track where he was then to where he is now, the final chapter of this book. Yeah, that, one, um, that was with uh, Kyle, right? With Dent? Yeah. And we talk about, it had this, that slightly moving scene of where Jamie takes Tommen aside mm-hmm. and in an act of, you know, fatherly care. Uh, unpracticed fatherly care, to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> he he tries to help Tommen feel a little better when Tommen is bothered at the sight of his dead and rotting grandfather. Um, and then, of course, Cersei interjects, and she's, of course, very hard on Tommen. And I wonder if 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 Jamie, besides feeling like a a father in that moment, he kind of felt a kinship to Tommen, uh, seeing Tommen be treated the same way that he'd always been treated. Right? I got that too. I felt it, that too, yeah. Yeah? I know, I, I haven't on any previous reread, but yeah, this time it felt more like that. Mm-hmm. It's always about what she wants and what she wants mm-hmm. to do. And um, yeah, I, I love that you brought it up, Skad, that his thoughts about Cersei in this chapter, other than when he thinks about the rending um, clothes thing. <laughs> the rending clothes thing. His thoughts about Cersei eventually end up at Tommen and how his choices regarding Cersei will affect Tommen. It's all about Tommen. Mm-hmm. It's about that paternal instinct that's starting to awaken in him. Uh, he doesn't want to kill Cersei for Tommen's sake, right? My place is with my king, not with not with my sister, with my king, my son. Would he want even want to know that? Well, maybe not because he really likes stamping his papers, right? <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, and, and like you said, he'd need to find some way to winkle Tom and from her clutches before the boy could become another Joffrey. Yeah. Um, thinking about the right men to surround him with as a small council. Uh, it's a very dramatic turn from what we've seen from Jamie before. Yeah. So, so do, you, do you think that's what this moment really is? No, I'm going to let her die. Is that is that what this is? Maybe, Scott. Be- because Maybe. Well, the reason I ask is because in, in A Dance with Dragons, the last chapter he has, he has mm-hmm. another introspective moment. I don't know, it's when he's going between the castle and the camp, maybe. I don't remember exactly when it is in that chapter, but he's dealing with mm-hmm. trying to get Blackwood to, to surrender. And he thinks about, okay, when this is done... 
I can get back to King's Landing. And Cersei will be there, and, like, he's not thinking that she'll be dead. He's still kind of thinking, like, how's that going to go, right? And so it's almost like if he could just play hooky for a while, maybe this thing will play itself out and seriously be out of the way. But he, but she's just being dramatic, but in a dance, well, but in a dance with dragons, he's saying, no, I'm going to be back in King's landing with her. And that's, we're going to have to do something. So he's not running right. from it. It's this, no, put this in fire feels very definitive. Like I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm not going to help. But in a dance with dragons, I don't know if George had a change of heart or figured something out in his gardener strategy or whatever. But it sounds like he's still like, oh, well, I'm going to have to go to King's Landing and do something. Right? He's still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And we know, of course, he gets waylaid by Brienne and may never make it. But that's where his thoughts were. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why I asked. Xander? It, it, seems, it seems more like, um, like, yeah, obviously him burning the letters, like the definitive, like, mm, I'm done with this bitch. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's on her own. She can figure out her own way to do it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do these things for her anymore. I'm not going to be her savior anymore. Um, so much, and, and that in like you were saying, uh, Scad and Dance Dragons, where he's like, "Well, yeah, I'm going to go to King's Landing, and Cersei will be there." I think it's more so like Cersei's going to be with. What do I do? I just <laughs> I left her on red. Like how right. am I supposed? Like how right. do I do this anymore? <laughs> Never got it. That's yeah. what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, what do you mean trial? I don't know. <laughs> to himself, he'll admit. The, oh no, I'm I'm done with her. But like, if she <laughs> asked him on it, he'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. But um, what about the dream? Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Do you have something on this? I was. Let's talk about it later. Okay. When when we talk about the the phrase "curiously content," we'll come back to this. But yeah, let's go to the dream because I think it. it it touches kind of this interacts too. with this a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, go ahead. Well, go ahead. How does it, you have a way it interacts or you want, you want me to go ahead? All right. Well, I want you to. <laughs> okay. Well, so the dream, uh, the dream is interesting because, uh, it's beautifully written. Xander, you said that's pretty cool. Uh, it's beautifully written. Um, but also it's, we don't get a lot with Joanna in this series, I'm not sure we get her at all other than this moment, other than maybe Tywin references her. I think the only time we get her is through the two dreams Jamie has about her. Yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, what's the point? She's, she's essentially saying, she's essentially telling him more about his father, like reminding him who his father was. And she, of course, has her own perception of who his father was, as everyone has their own perception of people from their own experiences. But but the end of the dream, she says, this is what he wanted. He wanted you to be a knight and her to be a queen. Leaves Tyrion out of it altogether, which is interesting. Um, but um, he says these things, you know, he implies these things both happened. Uh, then she disappears. And, you know, he's got both of his hands, or he's got just the one hand in that dream, right? Uh, indicating that, uh, you know, is he still really an a knight in the traditional sense. He can't fight. He can't do a lot of the things that knights are supposed to do, you know, with, with their skills. And Cersei's also no queen, right? She's not, she's, I mean, she's not a good queen. The title's, not a good, the title's yeah. there. She's a queen mm-hmm. in name as he's a knight in name, but neither of them are really fulfilling these That's roles. Good. And I so like I wondered that. if it's a stretch, I guess, but if that dream played into him saying like, 
you know what? No, this is how it's supposed to be. She should not be in this place. She's not doing, she's not doing it. Not well and not, not the way she should be. And she's not a queen. Tywin was wrong about me and he's wrong about her too. In his dreams. And this isn't working for me. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I've got to do me. Yeah. And running off to save her every time. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. That doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. And also maybe Tywin's vision of what a knight is was maybe wrong too. And so, right. you know, he's going to be his own version of of a knight, you know. Well, he thought of it as a soldier rather than a knight. That's true. To do what you're told, right? You mean Tywin thought that way? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, he considered Jamie leverage almost, right? For being in the King's Guard. And- All of his children were leverages. Yep. They were tools. Um, what's interesting about this is this isn't Joanna, right? Unless this is some actual back from the dead spiritual experience that he's having. He's These are Jamie's thoughts that he's projecting in the form of Joanna telling mm-hmm. him, right? Oh, sure, yeah. This isn't this isn't Joanna actually talking to him or him ha- remembering a discussion that Joanna had with him when he was a child. Right. Yeah. It's like what we talked about in the House of Undying chapter from our last episode, is this is all stuff that's been within Jamie that he's thinking yeah. about. What will I find in conclusions there? Conclusions that he's coming to. What will I find in there, Matt? Only what you take with you. Yeah. Only what you yep. take with you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Nothing in, your, right. nothing in your dreams is anything you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's fantasy. So I think this is this this is a bit of Jamie uh, feeling a fair amount of guilt and dissonance mm. for not becoming what he knows that he could have and should have and has the potential to become. And he's projecting it onto his mom because that's who you want to be proud of you as your mother, right? And uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I like it. I like that. Because um, th- the last time Jamie dreamt about his mother was the Werewood Stump, right? Mm-hmm. After Harrenhal. Before he went to get Brienne back. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that one, I think the fandom pretty much ubiquitously just is like, oh yeah, it's a Werewood Stump. He got some magic, magic whatever nonsense mm-hmm. um, whereas this one I think it's a it's a bit more uh, six and one half a dozen of the other um, because he was <laughs> touched by the werewood maybe maybe okay. that has yeah, an effect lingering, lingering? yeah um, <laughs> but honestly when I was when I was reading this chapter and re- uh, that dream sequence I think at least I'm hoping, I think <laughs> um, it it's kind of showing us, you know, the whole thing Jenna says, you're not Tywin's son, Tyrion's Tywin's son. I think Jamie is Joanna's son. Mm. We mm. don't know Joanna, yeah. but I feel like he is the most like her as far as we're able to tell. And this dream is his subconscious almost pushing him to be that person. You know, as far as we knew, Joanna is the only person who could ever make Tywin smile. 
And if there's somebody who can make time and smile, they're a good fucking person. So I can see Jamie trying, even subconsciously, to emulate that at this Mm. point. I love that. Jamie is Joanna's son. Hmm. I feel like I should have I should have looked closer at Joanna. I think we know so little. We there's don't. There's not much. Yeah. yeah. But there's textual clues that you can yeah. pull from, right? What Alexander's yeah. saying about making Tywin smile. Th- and- that's about it, because all we got are the two dreams Jamie has, and then what Pycelle says about her, what Jenna says about her. And mm. I think that's it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and And George writes it so well that you're sitting there asking yourself, is this Joanna? Mm-hmm. Wait, who is this? Yeah. Who, wait, what? And then by her skirt whispering lullabies as it brushed across the floor, then it's confirmed. Oh, the lullabies. The lullaby can just it for sure. That, that's, that's why I had to name this episode that, because just, oh, that, that line alone, we all have mothers. Every single person on this cast and listening, we all have mothers. We know exactly what that line means. Yes. Yeah. do. And yeah. to think that he's probably not heard a lullaby since she was gone. Yep. Um, uh, just to button up this conversation, I love it when George throws in little just ice and fire mm-hmm. bits into the text. And this maybe doesn't mean anything but I loved the ice and fire symbolism of this moment. The snowflake that landed on the letter. It's snowing on the day that Jamie puts the letter in the fire. And um, I think there's just the theme of ice and fire and how that, you know, beyond just Danny and John are the song of ice and fire, but it's about growth and moving things forward and making things happening happen. And, uh, you definitely see that here at the end of the chapter, and I love seeing little stuff like that. Yeah, he also says about that snowflake that it, it blurs the ink on the page. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of, kind of like the, you know, things even things written in ink are not written in ink. Yeah. Right. Like you can change your life. Yeah. You can change yeah. your path. These things are blurry. They're not static. They're not set in stone. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then he burns it. And this is the same guy that, for Cersei, pushed a child out of a window right and he would do anything for Cersei and now those lines are blurred like Mm -hmm. you said Scad yeah Uh, Thomas Evans this conversation with Jamie is is interesting you mentioned earlier Xander that uh, it's something that you know like maybe the fandom could have guessed that it was Thomas Evans or implied and, and maybe figured out that there's some sort of chicanery going on at, at River Run or some sort of revenge plot or something. Instead, he tells us it's Thomas Evans. Jamie recognizes him as the same guy that's with Sir Ryman, uh, nodding to the fact that there probably was an insider mm-hmm. uh, that that leaked, that Sir Ryman was was leaving um, to kind of set this set his murder in motion. But Thomas Evans has an interesting conversation with Jamie here. The end of it is the most interesting part to me. He says, I could have played you, oh, all sorts of things. Um, because it's, it's a, uh, it sounds like a threat to me. 
A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Um, and and maybe maybe a hint that the fandom uses to think that there is, you know, an inverse red wedding about to come, that they, he'll play something there. Yeah. That it will be as disturbing as the reigns of Castamere. Right. Thoughts? That's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, that's I like it, Scan. I like it. I saw it almost as uh, potentially an offer too. <laughs> like, mm. like maybe he sees something in Jamie that he feels like he could trust with him. And mm. he thinks this guy, he's on the side of our enemy, but is he really an enemy? Like a little test balloon? Like, yeah. Let's see if he's interested yeah. in hearing a song of mine. Yeah, right. I definitely saw it more of a, like a test um, between mm. Jamie and Thomas Evans because... It definitely does feel like the both of them are like, you good? You good? You good? You good? <laughs> you know, kind of kind of just seeing like, what's up? <laughs> it's awkward. It's, up? It very much feels like a conversations for our benefit instead of for the characters in the conversations benefit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like George wrote it for us, not for the two characters. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Them. That's true. It's very weird. Hmm. It's interesting this theme of entertainers too that are just idly listening right you think back to marillion mm-hmm. and the things he learned just by being there no one suspects the entertainer right mushroom mushroom you kind of say mushroom, mushroom. Wrote a whole yeah. freaking book <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect Damn. example and and you wonder what these guys are learning the droids even in star wonder. wars the droids, man. Like, <laughs> how many times are they going to give stuff away to these droids? That's why R2-D2 like, doesn't speak basic. There's nobody here. <laughs> yeah. Only these droids that record every single thing we say in their memory. They're the only ones listening. No big deal. <laughs> no biggie. I even wonder if if uh, if there's something to Jamie telling Ilan Payne all this stuff that will lead to something else. I was, it turns I out was he's, wondering a, he's a Rhodes too. Scholar. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> he knows down. how to write and read. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> no, but I was wondering that too because, uh, uh, like, again, how we were saying, you know, it's it's been so long since I've sat down and read this book, you know, or read a chapter or anything. But yeah, that scene with Ellen Payne and Jamie, it's just like there's there's something coming of this. It's not just like a convenient mute that he's training with like he's telling him he fucked cersei he's telling me he wants to kill cersei but doesn't want to kill like there's something yeah, yeah it, i i feel that i also feel though that um it, like jamie needs therapy um somebody was talking about this men will literally do anything else but go to therapy right and uh somebody was chatting about this on on twitter the other day about how no one in this series has any sort of outlet to deal with their trauma. I wish I could remember who it was that was having this conversation. If it's you reach out, I'm sorry that I forgot who it was, but, and I didn't comment or like it or anything. I was just reading it and nodding. Nobody knows how to deal with their trauma. And so they just inflict their trauma on the next generation and the next people that they can, the people that they can punch down at, right. To some degree, but Ilan serves as a therapist for Jamie so that he can actually deal with some of this, right? And talk it out. and Almost, yeah. And he doesn't get any, I mean, he's probably getting some judgment, but he's not getting any, he's not, he's not getting any negative consequences to doing it, which most of these people would if they tried right. talking to somebody about these problems, right? Yeah. So it's... Ellen, you've got some career opportunities, <laughs> yeah. buddy. 
Just learn to read and write and you'll be golden. But also, <laughs> yeah. also those, Andrew, I agree with you. It feels, <laughs> what's the Wayne's World thing? Amazing that guard was there to tell us all this information. It seemed extraneous at the time. You know, like, <laughs> could Illin just, like, reveal this somehow? It'd be interesting. I mean, I mean, this just came to me now. But what if, like, Illin is the one to kill Cersei? <laughs> and then he looks at Jamie. Like, remember on Guardians of the Galaxy where they're making the plan to escape the prison? Yeah. And Rocket's like telling him, "We got to do this, and then we got to do this, and we got to do this." I need that and guy's leg. Groot, <laughs> and then Groot just goes and does it, yes. and then he looks at, and then he looks at Rocket like, "Aren't you proud of me?" He's got that big old smile. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Illin like kills Cersei, and then looks at Jamie like, "I did it for you. See, we solved the problem." Illin, Illin um, is that kind of a lab dog, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Damn it, Illin, <laughs> no." Like what if Il- <laughs> what if Illin resents how elitist and everything given on a silver platter Jamie's whole life has been, and how he still bitches and moans at Illin every day of his life about his problems? Mm-hmm. What if he hates Jamie so bad for all that that he gets to King's Landing and I don't know Varys or Littlefinger or somebody's there and he just points at Cersei and points at Jamie and does this. <laughs> <laughs> Sked's right? doing the uh, finger doing the in the fist. Finger in the fist yeah. fucking motion. Like, yep. just to like get back at him. Like, I'm with you, Xander. It feels like like this could turn around on Jamie somehow. You know? I wish I could do that clacking laugh. I don't know. Super creepy. Right? Super creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hear that every time I read it. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear it, but I can't do it. Exactly. So I don't know how I, I, totally know, I, don't know, how I know it sounds like because I can't do it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> nah, he, it's cathartic for him to go and just beat the crap oh, out of Jamie, 100%. though. That's true. He gets something out of it. Oh, he, yeah, lo- right. he loves yeah. it. He's like, I get to yeah. kick the shit out of you, your highborn ass? Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the Reynolds, you had something on Reynolds, didn't you, Xander, that you wanted to hit? Ooh, yeah. Let's do Reynolds. Oh, yeah. Oh. Before we get to Reynold, two quick notes. Um, so Jamie was saying storm ends will fall soon enough, and I was like, ha, "Not to the Lannisters." Um, <laughs> but then also bad bet on Peter Baelish's hand because Jamie was like, "Oh, Peter Baelish would be a good hand." Yeah, and I'm like, "No, dude." Come on, you're yeah. doing so well. You're no understanding people so well, and then you make that statement. No, just read this guy. Um, <laughs> but no, the only the only note I have for Reynold is Reynold Westerling is a badass. Is he alive? <laughs> it fe- yep. yep. <laughs> to all those. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yes, he is. Yeah, and L- yes, I, he is. LG has a great essay on that. Uh, Lady Gwen about about. Yeah, that's a Reynolds that's Westerling. a great one. Um, I recommend everyone go find it. Just probably Google Reynold Westerling, uh, Lady Gwen. It's Grey Wind and Reynold Westerling alive. There we go. Yeah. The Thanks Matt, for the doing essay. the legwork. Fantastic it. read. Um. So yeah, I I think it's. Plausible. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's alive. Yeah. Anytime you don't see a body, you just have to wonder. Yeah. And then the phrase, I think Gwen, Lady Gwen talks about this in the essay, 
that uh, the phrase talk about, well, there are so many dead people. I don't know. But then before that, they're like, Jamie says, Reynold Westerling. And they're like, oh, the night of the right. seashells. They, they know, would have yeah. seen the seashells on the doublet. They could have easily identified who he was, even if he was a bloated in the river corpse. You'd think so. Um, yes. Yeah. See, it's always funny when they're like, I can't identify the body. You're all wearing your your ornamental shield. Right. Thing. Almost always they've got some sort of a glove with a sonar, you know, something. I mean, Catelyn was unrecognizable, but we recognized her just from the description, you know, and that's from a wolf's, <laughs> pers- from a wolf's perspective, <laughs> yeah. we recognized her. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so I think specifically because George wrote that he was hit with an arrow to the shoulder and an arrow to the gut and then tossed himself over the um, wall walk. That right there, because he tossed himself over the wall walk. That's where I'm like, ooh, George, you're clever. People overlook that. Yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. And those are painful but survivable wounds. Absolutely. Especially if you're going into the water. Like, I don't know. He could have broke the shaft off and just cleaned it, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend I know. But I certainly, in fiction, have seen people survive. I'm pretending this. like I know, but You've I never don't know. Taken... it's a fantasy series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you've never taken a quarrel to the gut, Scad. Uh, I've taken many quarrel to the brain. <laughs> Different kind of quarrel. But uh, yeah, Lady Gwen lays it out really nice about the. Um, I'm, I guess it's ghost feeling oh, like four right. direwolves yeah. remain <laughs> as long as the one white God. wolf. And so she lays out the different ways that could work mathematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that. But in the end, getting to the point of that being, you know, Grey Wind, Shaggy Dog, who else? Nemiria, then Summer Beyond the Wall. And so that would mean that they're all still alive, sans See, lady. Again, so. clever writing on George because it's yes. so plausible it big. <laughs> that, it could, it, yeah. that it could just be ghosts. You know, it could just be, you know, he's, he's, makes you, he's too clever by far. That asshole. George? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking jerk. That's what he is. Uh, are, so do you guys think, so is it just, is it just, uh, Thomas Sevens giving it away or is Walter Rivers, uh, working with Black Walter? Are they teaming up? I don't I think so. No, hmm. didn't think. Did, did no, nah, their their phrase. I don't. I don't think the phrase is a team up unless it's well, like big and little Walder, and we saw how that works out. Well, yeah, Walder Walder Rivers is a bastard. He'll never sniff the chair, but but Black Walder. Nah, he could second in well, he's second in line, and maybe it was like a, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, we team up, you reward me with lands and things like that when you're in charge but it seems like thomas evans fulfills the only need we we have for a snitch so mm-hmm. something about the way yeah, edwin I and, thought it was just tom something about the way edwin and walter rivers were reacting made me feel like there was something there but maybe not mm-hmm. me thinks the lady doth protest too much uh edwin's saying there's a snitch <laughs> in the camp and walter's like no way man no way he could have known nobody knows anything here and could have leaked it at all. How would that happen? Yeah, it's just the hubris of the phrase. Yeah, perhaps. Totally. Yeah, that's true too. 
Um, uh, we've got more Jamie Sass. Um, Always. Kind. We found a thousand corpses afterwards. Once they've spent a few days in the river, they all look much the same. Jamie replies, I've heard the same is true of hanged men. Another mic drop. Like, the uh, guy just died. Come on, man. Like, a little respect. His, like, a little. His dad. His dad. You know, folks. died. Come on, man. Just, just do the gif where the glasses slide onto his face. He's good. <laughs> I mean, he even sasses his mom in the dream. <laughs> I am a knight. I That's told her. True. And seriously, he's a queen. Take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, lady. Boom. Dream mom. Who Mission I haven't seen in years. Oh. Oh. He kind of sasses. He kind of sasses Ilan Payne too. You talk too much. He told Ilan at the end of their conversation. Um, that was just, a good one. Yeah, just all sorts of just Jamie mic dropping all across this chapter. He's nice to this Tom. West Wing chapter. He just says swing, he sing nice sweetly, to Tom. Tom. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Because he doesn't punch down. Yeah, but you gotta you you gotta be like sing sweetly, Tom. You gotta do mm-hmm. that. Mm. Period. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Jamie is a checklist guy. I think he relies a little yeah. bit on momentum. He likes he 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 uh, does very well when he's getting things done. And I know that because I'm the same way. I've got it actually right here. I have a yellow pad of paper, and nice. See, I don't know if you can see from the light, but I've got this podcast a podcast list of things to do. <laughs> The podcast is on the list. Podcast outline is right there. All right. Um, I make this for myself every week, and I have to go check it off, and it like gives me momentum to keep getting things done throughout the week. And Jamie's right. the same freaking way, isn't he? It's yeah. when he starts getting done, getting things done, that he gets momentum. I've resolved this river run thing. Okay, I've got things in going with the Westerlings. I've got this going, and he really starts to thrive under all that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It. it it almost kind of reminded me of Tyrion in King's Landing in Clash of Kings. Just yeah. those chapters where he's just checking things off his list. Oh, yeah. Just, I got this and this and this to do today. And the chapter is him just doing that. Check, mm-hmm. check, check, check. And uh, he thrives getting stuff done. So when, so when his sister writes him a letter and says, come and get me, he's like, no, let me check my the list. list of things. To, uh, that wasn't on my list. This, this uh, is not on the list. Not there. It's not happening. Sorry. I already left this store. I can't grab milk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and and his accomplishments, he takes pride in the things that Tywin would have called weak. Uh, he'd done his own part here at River Run without yep. actually ever taking up arms against the Starks or Tollies. Yeah. Yep. Right? He's proud of that. He's curiously content, he calls it. Yes. Uh, and the non-torture component as well. Yep. This is why he's Joanna's son. All right. Yes. That's what we call yes. a reach around on this podcast. Mm. Oh, I love reach arounds. <laughs> I'm reach. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, what else do I have here? Dream thing. 
<laughs> Jamie talks about sending the whole Kingsguard to the wall. <laughs> Who doesn't? Nothing's off the table right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a new lease on life. Listen, this guy's willing to do whatever. Just checking things off the list. Let's just deal with that head on. That crappy Kingsguard. Kingsguard, check. <laughs> Peter Baelish's hand. No, wait a minute, Jamie. Like, let's talk about this one. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a bad one. <laughs> uh, oh, we forgot one of the sass. His grace would not ask for them if they were worthless. There you go. <laughs> for, for the hostages. Oh, it's brilliant. That's actually something uh, I wanted to ask you guys about. What do you? Why? Why does? Why does Jamie want to get all those uh, captives? Out of the phrase hands, do you think? It's what they got to do. I mean, it's just the rules of war, I guess. Y- yeah, I, th- mm. I think that's part. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they probably promised the Riverland, the Riverlands people oh, and- that they would get their families back that weren't dead, right? As part of the surrender negotiations, maybe. Um, probably propaganda too. Mm. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So, like, good PR something a bit also like i mean like don't trust the phrase like, with anything <laughs> so give him yeah shit. yeah absolutely <laughs> like, like, well i mean exactly what you're saying scott it was like you know uh you know they're <laughs> i wouldn't be asking for them if they're worth nothing you know and then his internal thought is like yeah and then you'll get paid f- compensated for them over my fucking dead body dude yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, yeah. your compensation was River Run. And <laughs> exactly. Like, come on, man. Yeah. I was wondering if, yeah, if kind of along the lines that you said of you can't give the phrase any sort of leverage in anything. And so let's get these guys out of their hands while we still can. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like the idea of, you know, the Riverlanders were technically the losers in the War of the Five Kings. And there's going to be some animosity there towards the victors. And releasing all those captives back to them could go a long way propaganda-wise, as you said, Xander, to smoothing things over a little bit, which we find that Jamie has takes a lot of pride in, in being able to kind of mend some of those fences. So Jamie would kill it on a PR campaign. <laughs> He's got the looks. He's got, he's got the looks. He knows what to say at certain times. And if he doesn't get away with it, he always has in his bag of tricks the threat, right? Because when you've yep. when you've murdered a king, people the will believe people will believe any threat you send at them. I'll put you in a oubliette. Yep. I'll send you a baby in a trebuchet. I will urinate on your sister's head. I will do whatever I want, and you have to believe me. And everyone buys it. And the the thing with Jamie is he's got to get away from doing that. It's such an effective tool. But like, you can tell he doesn't like doing it. He's like, I hate, right. I hate that I had to do that, right? I, I don't know why I just thought of this. I feel like Jamie would be the kind of dude that would give you a sandwich and be like, "Here, I made you the sandwich. It's definitely not poisoned. <laughs> yeah. Please eat it." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not poisoned at all. Yeah. But you sit there like, <laughs> I don't think I should eat this. <laughs> I'm not hungry. <laughs> I did not lick the inside of the bread first. <laughs> uh, good stuff anything else in this I don't section know that i have too much more i don't know that i have too much more i think i'm good it's been a good conversation let's yeah, let's I move on to uh, 
get to know Xander a little bit a little bit more in section two here. Uh, what's your song of ice and fire story, Xander? How did you how did you find the series? It was a fun one because um, it's probably the same story I told years ago. Um, I don't remember if it was when the Game of Thrones show was announced or it had just started airing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I read the first book, watched the first season. Um, and then I read the first three books. Um, and then, yeah, uh, when the second season came around, I watched a handful of episodes and I was like, I can't do this. Prose is much better. Mm-hmm. I don't want to taint it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was probably, I, I would say probably right before the, the show was a thing. So probably when it was announced, like yeah. the two years before it premiered. Okay. It's a common. Yeah. Cause you mentioned you had the first edition of Feast for Crows. Yeah. Yeah. And I see, and that's that, I think that's why, um, that's why I get confused because I remember I had to pre-order Feast for Crows, but it wasn't a long wait. Mm-hmm. I remember the first actual wait I had. Haha, ha, look at us now in 2022. The first <laughs> long wait I had was for dance. And right. that I had to wait however many years, right. you know. It's a pretty common time period for people who have started, but the story's a little different, given that yeah. you watched a little bit and then and then stopped. But um yeah, cool. And and what about what about the fandom? Like did you did you find that right away? What was your gateway to that? Uh, no. So that, that one was, it was kind of, see, I feel like my whole, like, uh, a song of ice and fire slash being part of the podcast and fandom thing. It's like a whole queer story that's just mixed up in like just my chaotic life. Mm -hmm. Um, so I never really know (laughs) where everything comes from, you know? Um, but I know one of the first things I did um, because like I didn't have anybody in my life to talk to about these books, common story. Um, so I found, um, the Westeros forms, um, or no, no, I found the podcast on ice and fire forms. Then I found the Westeros forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was active on the Westeros forums for a bit. And then I got super tired cause it was just like impossible to actually have a discussion. Yes. You know what I mean? Really? Like if you guys were on there, you know, it was just so many fucking people on it. You it, just too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I just fell out of that. I just listened to podcasts and really interact with people too much. Um, but then when I found uh, vassals of Kingsgrave, that's really when like, obviously I like signed up on the forums, um, started interacting with them and yeah. here I am now. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like you found you found your little community. After it didn't work out once, you kind of took another shot and found it. Well, Straight. yeah. Oh, and, and that's that's the funny thing, too. From the time I was on the podcast of Ice and Fire forums and the Westeros forums to the time I was a part of Vassals of Kingsgrave is like a good six, seven year oh, wow. difference. Yeah. You know? So like here I am like 12 years into it. Yeah. And I've only been active six or seven of it. Right. Right. That's cool. Yeah. And like I said, I looked back on our first discussion in Facebook yeah. <laughs> and it was 2016, man. Yeah. 2016. 
early. Yeah. No, I was I was telling uh Scott when uh I met him at Ice and FireCon how I was like, Yeah man, I've been I've been listening to you guys since fucking day one pretty much. You know, I think I maybe I was a month behind, so you had yeah. two episodes or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you still listen to us after the yeah. first yeah. two or three episodes. Man, what do we yeah. gotta do to drive this guy away? <laughs> Bring me on your podcast, see if I come back. I don't know. <laughs> Xander is uh the first and only person to approach me at Ice and FireCon and take me up on my offer to buy them a drink. I yes. still cannot believe that though. <laughs> Like yes. that blue, maybe you'll do that. Maybe maybe you'll create a landslide now. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll maybe, see maybe that actually worked. We got to make it a whole thing now. So when somebody comes to you for a beer, then they got to go through me to get a beer. So it's like a whole chain situation. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, people they... getting alcohol poisoning. We built the ladder really deep. Hey, it's not my fault. You're the one drinking. <laughs> uh, and I'll be there to pull you all out of it. That's right. We always need that. <laughs> Met with the waters. <laughs> we talked. Uh, we talked about House of the Dragon a little bit earlier. Yeah. Before we started talking, no, it was it was it was during the announcement section. Was, I think was it on the announcement? Yeah, whatever it was. We'll talk about it now. I don't remember. It's coming up, <laughs> and and your take on the show is interesting because you you kind of stopped watching it after uh, middle season two. It sounds like, and for for conflicting brain reasons of you know yeah. pros versus show. Uh, similar kind of to the reasons I stopped watching it as well, although a little bit later. But you're you sound excited about House of the Dragon, which is which is interesting. What what are you most excited about? Targaryens, honestly. Um, so I think because like when you look at this series in a in a, in a fantasy mindset, like the main story is great because there's fantastic fantasy elements but it really is almost 80 percent political 70 percent of like yeah historical fiction yeah almost yeah, yeah. Um, political family drama but, yeah exactly but then when you get the um when you bring in the targaryens um especially because it's a civil war who doesn't as a, yeah. as a united states american who doesn't love a good civil war as long as as they end well spoilers this one does not end well the battle at shroot farms (laughs) beats flying everywhere Mm -hmm. um no i just i don't know the targaryens are fun they're such a fucking horrible horrible dynasty that is so fun to watch crash and burn um it's like seriously seriously turned up to 11 yeah exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah. No, and that's um so like I love I love the Blackfires. Like I'm mm. a Blackfire dude. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. And it's it's that same thing. That'll be like season like, eight of of House of the Dragon. It's gonna be a while. <laughs> it won't even be because the Blackfires are nothing at that point. Well that's what really. I mean. They'll have to like go through the war and then like <laughs> yeah. through, like the slow times and then Right. Yeah. No, but it's just that I just that weird high fantasy drama and garbage nonsense like oh, you're all horrible people and i love to watch it <laughs> yeah right yeah because there's know. no there's no one in these stories that you can point to and go that's a good one that one right, right yeah. there yeah. is a good one <laughs> a little cinnamon roll maybe maybe jace jace strong you know but right that was like it 
No. Yeah, he died. <laughs> so he's the one that died over Shipwrecker <laughs> Bay, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. No, that was Luke. Oh, that was right? yeah, that was Luke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Jace is the one that went north and made the Pact of Ice and yeah. Fire and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Strong boys were good eggs. Indeed. Hey, it's history that happened already. There's no spoilers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, what, and we can include, we can include fire and blood if you want for this. What's your favorite minor family? So, um, originally I was thinking, I was like, oh, I'll say Blackfire. And I'm like, well, that's not a minor family yeah. technically. I mean, like technically it's a minor family, but it's also pretty big. Just Targaryens. It's just Targaryens. Um, but again, because I'm a part of Vassal's Kingsgrave, Man Woody. Man Woody. House Man Woody all day. House Man Woody. Has to be. Has to be. Has to be a House Man Woody. That's all those female Woodies. <laughs> Woman Woodies. Yeah. Femin, feminine Woodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, how many times do you think you've read this series, Sander? I think I think fully through four times. Yeah. Um, but then if you count like random chapters yeah. every now and then, especially because uh, uh, Vessels of Kingsgrave, we wrapped up our linear reread a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, probably four times all the way through. Probably a dozen times in general. Yeah. Wow. A dozen. Wow. Well, I mean, come on. You, you guys did the same thing. You, yeah, I mean, like, maybe not as much as I did, but, like, how you're doing this series now where you're yeah. picking random chapters. Like, you're reading one chapter, maybe two, three, four. Just and to, that, yeah, know, that spirals yeah. into four or five. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I usually put so my number just, at right. five plus. I think I've read it five, five plus, plus yeah. five, then random chapters here and there. But sometimes yeah. I'm like, is that true? It might be four plus. And then I just uh, give up. But what, what do you, th- I mean that's a lot of times to come back to one series. Why, why do you think, wh- what about this series specifically makes you come back? So funnily enough, um, I think what really struck me the first time I read the series and I'm, I'm strictly just talking game of Thrones, not even any of the other books. Yep. Um, I think when I was reading that book for the first time, there was just something so familiar and comforting hmm. and i don't know if it was the prose or if it's the story or characters um just something about it was so familiar and comfortable i was like yep i like where i'm at i like this you know um i don't know if i've ever kinda, heard anyone use the word comforting for these books well it i mean it's kind of like star wars you know hmm. um it's just something whether it was always or not it always in that. your life. Yeah, it became it just, it's Yeah, it's just so... Yeah, a comfort is the best thing I can That's think. Cool. You, men- you mentioned the prose a lot. It's almost like... I mean, obviously the story's compelling, but it's almost right. less the story and more George's voice telling the story. And that... Well, that is... A, that's a big part of it. I mean, anytime you want to read, that's why people love like Stephen King or Neil Gaiman, you know, it's Mm. the, the way they write is just so invoking. Um, and so titillating that you can't help, but be interested or intrigued, you know? 
Yeah. Um, it, it, again, it's, yeah, I like you that. know, there's, there's, there's nothing like a good cup of coffee in a warm book kind of idea. That's, that's pretty much it. You know, pick, pick your best day, pick your best drink, pick your best book. That's that feeling. That's true, man. And I don't know what it is. If it's just George's writing is so deep yet, uh, accessible. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it, it is something where it. if I, if I put down a song of ice and fire for a while and I have recently, mm-hmm. um, when you pick it up again, it feels like you're talking to an old friend. It just, yeah, yeah, you're right. It does even if you're reading about some horrible thing that Gregor Clegane did, like it's, <laughs> it's right. That feels good. That's how I feel about Rothfuss. When I go back to those, just the, mm-hmm. it sounds so different to me than mm-hmm. anything else I've read. And sure. Um, yeah. Interesting. That's good. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. That helped me think about why I like these books. Comforting. Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you. Yeah. I'll try. Yeah. All right. You said Jamie's your favorite character. Is his, is his arc your favorite? Is that the character, the arc you like the best? It's definitely the one I'm most looking forward to. Yeah. Um, just because like what the Jamie Brienne Stoneheart, like yeah. what the fuck's going to happen? Yeah. You know, cause literally any theory anybody's proposed in the last decade, all viable at this point. Yep. <laughs> um, so I'm interested to see where he's going. Um, it's definitely one of the bigger cliffhangers, right? Yeah. Like, it, what it is going to happen is. in that moment when they get to, to, to Stoneheart? Maybe in a, in a, uh, more nuanced way, maybe um, not a POV, but uh, Sandor. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it, like that could be something George just drops. It's like, listen, this it you found, could be, you found, yeah. his, you found his life. This is him now. Or it could be and something I wouldn't where, be mad. No, yeah. Or it could be something where it's a springboard to something else. Yeah. Some sort of, again, redemption kind of a thing. I don't really love the redemption word either, but, um, no. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. That's interesting. I th- I feel like the POV I'm looking forward to most in wins changes, changes all the time. Yeah. What are you in the mood for that day? Yeah. Right. I'm looking forward to Forley Prester. And <laughs> that wins a winter <laughs> prologue. Yeah. You think, you think that's going to be him? You think he's going to be the POV? I think it'd be interesting if he was. It would be, I like I, I, I would cool enjoy guy. it. He would be fun to get into the head of. Yeah. Yeah. He seems so. It always seems to be. Yeah. Sucks that he's yeah. got to die, though. Yeah. Yeah. He would yeah. have to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> better, him than like, better him than like Adam Marbrand. So I like oh, Adam. Yeah. Marbrand. You got well, a soft spot for Marbrand. I just yeah. don't want it to be Jane. I would hate oh, yeah. if she was the POV. She doesn't deserve that. Even Jamie doesn't think she deserves it, you know? It's a a one-page POV. She walks off the trail and somebody shoots her in the back with an arrow. She gets shot with an arrow. Hey, Jamie said too. You told me if she walks off the trail. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) I think it's Forley. I think it's Forley Preston. It makes sense. I think that's that's probably the best one I've heard in terms of guesses for that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've, we've we've reached the end of the episode. It's been a delight to talk to Xander. The time has just flown by. Yeah. 
Holy cow. Um, yeah. But I think it's time to sign off. Here we go. Do you have a do you have a sign off ready for us? Yeah. Um yeah, that was another thing I was um stressing hard about, you know. I was like, fuck, I need to sign off. I wanna keep it in line with like everything I've brought up. Because I I feel like everything I've talked about and like the two chapters I've had, it's all kind of coalesced <laughs> and like the same sort of a I don't know, thing. Um mm-hmm. So I decided just I'm going to go with a, another in a poll thing, cool. um, which is a lyric from their first album, Turn on the Bright Lights, um, which is pretty much it's up to me now. Turn on the bright lights. I love it. Yes. Um, so, so indicative of Jamie. I like that. Mine is uh, this is just Matt signing off saying. See that your playing pleases the lady in your life. She's the one that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or man. <laughs> or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. But also uh, something, you know, you've reminded me of a few times, Matt. You also got to make sure you're playing for yourself. Hell yeah. So that's my sign off. Oh, I love that we just did that. Unplanned and everything. Boom. Yeah. This is what yeah. Being on a podcast for eight years. Podcasting. <laughs> Podcasting. <laughs> uh, good night, guys. Night, everybody. Night, guys. Thank you. We get to talk some Jamie. Hell yeah. We're talking Jamie. Yeah, we are. <laughs> With Xander, I've got I got complicated feelings about Jamie. I feel like you do. The, I feel like they go complicated. They get more complicated by the year. Yeah. We'll get, we'll it's uh, if you don't have if you don't have a little bit of complicated feelings about Jamie, there's something wrong with you're, you. You're doing exactly. it wrong. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is he me. a bad guy? Is he sexy? I don't know. Both. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And and Nikolai only complicated it because he's oh an my god he's Dude, an attractive he is, human he is yeah. such a handsome man and yeah. like so I stopped watching the show um, before season two even finished wow but, you like, beat me on that yeah, yeah. Dude, I couldn't I it just it did too much I was like no I can't I can't taint my own brain on this yeah um, but like he's like one of the few people I have a hard time. Not, just associating yeah. yeah exactly he's just like he he's such a handsome man and he plays the part so well he did you know he like did, i hear yeah, his yeah. voice when i read the chapters yeah absolutely no that's a good point you can totally feel him like narrating the jamie chapter right yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, would, he would do a fantastic job you know uh-huh. no you're right i i didn't think about it that way but i think more than most this is good stuff. We're missing more or not like officially recording. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should I mean, stop. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Have at you least hit record already, Scott? Recording. I've been recording, recording? Yeah, for a bit. Okay, I'm good. at 2.30. Because this will go into outtakes. This will 100% make Perfect. it. Perfect. Okay. It's a good yeah. intro. Yeah. Or outro. Uh, <laughs> the next morning, Edmure and the Sibyls? Hmm. Westerlings? Mm-hmm. Yes? Okay. So next morning, Edmure and the Westerlings leave with Sir Fairly. Let's try this that again. That one I had, right? 